gonna ruin the Disney magic for a second. I'm sorry. Ten toes down, boys. We're in for a good one. <laughs> well said. All right, my friends, it's Social Q&A Live. That's an epically hard to pronounce name. It is. And then dive into your questions around dating. This much is fucking good at social dynamics and relationships. That's like a shot of a dip. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Social Q&A Live audio strip taken right from the YouTube live sesh. I opened it up to questions on dating, relationships, social dynamics, anything in the world of human interaction. So you guys can join those live sessions over on YouTube basically every Friday, 10 a.m. Australian Central Standard Time, for the time being anyway. Now, if you guys would like to receive a quick sip of social dynamics every Friday, you can sign up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. Every week, I send out a free article on Fridays. That's actually taking me quite a bit of time to write nowadays. They used to be pretty quick, but now I go real deep into them. I also use it as a way to update the resources of wisdom, which you guys can find at boldojo.com. So any quotes I found that week, uh, any music, updates to the Panda Emperor Sexy Time playlist or the We Take 9000 playlist, you know, all those things, anime, documentaries, movies, anything that's going to the resources of wisdom, you can stay up to date with that through the bowl sip so all you have to do to sign up to it is just head to boldojo.com slide your email in and then check your inbox for the confirmation email and also for all emails going forward if you don't think you've received it on friday just check your promotions folder in gmail or your spam folder in outlook etc because basically any email that has links in it gets automatically thrown into the uh, promotions thing so if you don't think you got it, just check those folders, okay? Now, if you guys are looking to dive into a little bit of deeper educational content, you can head over to boldoja.com and number one, pick up the brand new guided meditation, Eternal Energy. It's a deep dive into who you are and a guiding hand into evolving beyond. Featuring five tracks. Number one, cultivating your scented energy. Number two, revealing your darkness. Number three, creating your light. Number four, unlocking your sexual flow. And finally, wrapping things up with the fifth track, One Energy returning you back to the hole. It took me a solid two months to produce that bad boy and it's an absolute journey. So if you would like to dive into something a lot deeper, go ahead and pick that up at boldoja.com. Along with that, if you are looking to get your day game sorted, your social dynamics sorted, if you've been walking down the street and you're seeing a beautiful woman, you just don't know what the hell to do with yourself, well then I've got you covered there as well. Adam's Crash Course Kick-Ass Day Game eBook is also available at boldoja.com. Quick action guide. Most importantly, it is not a sit in your chair at home and read and then go hmm that sounds theoretically reasonable you need to actually get out there and apply that's what it's intended to be used when i created it it was meant to be something you go out with come home with reference with in terms of real world action it just doesn't really make sense until you're actually going out there and meeting people so that's what it's intended for you want to use it as your uh, teacher as your guide as your kind of pseudo adam along your journey. Along with that, I highly recommend pairing up a 30-day challenge with it. Anyone who buys the ebook, you just need to check your emails within 24 to 48 hours afterwards. I personally email basically everyone with a little tips for the ebook. And in that email, I recommend you get on a 30-day challenge and pair that with the ebook. Uh, it's just it harkens back to how I got my journey and how I corrected my life at the beginning, corrected my social freedom, freedom of choice in my dating life came through the 30-day challenge it's powerful so that's what i highly recommend and if you guys want more uh information on the 30-day challenge i often drop links in that email as well and then finally for those that are really looking to dive deeper create action plans bust through their limiting beliefs i do offer one-on-one skype coaching 
the bowl inside is probably the best way to go, which is for my deeper level clients who sign up to packages. Packages are completely customizable to you based on frequency, based on volume. But basically what bowl inside members get over once off Skype sessions is number one, priority messaging. They get access to my private WhatsApp number and within 24 hours, I will respond to them outside of Australian weekends based on anything. They need feedback on a situation they're dealing with this girl, this guy, family members, business relationships, etc. Want to check that text conversation, want to send me that audio, I'm going to be there for them. The second benefit Bowl Insiders get is priority bookings, which basically means you get fast-tracked that if you want to get in a session today and maybe someone was 50-50 about it, well, you get that session. You get your session times prioritized above everyone else. And especially for my clients uh, around the world with arranging time zones, it proves to be quite beneficial. So if you are interested in diving into the Bowl Inside packages, then you can just hit me up at bowldojo.com. In the product section, you find all the links there and actually the links to everything I've just spoken about, guided meditation, ebook, all at bowldojo.com. Just hit the product section and I'll see you soon. Now, if you guys would like to support this channel directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link. You can do this two ways. Number one, on bowldojo.com, in the Boulderjo podcast section, there's actually a donate straight through the website uh, link right in that section there. So you guys can get that. Or you can also just go straight to PayPal, which is paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I, Adamui, and you can donate anything that you wish. And I just want to say that whether you donate through the Super Chat on YouTube or you do it directly through the website or PayPal, anything that you donate is so greatly appreciated. It just helps keeping this show going. It lets me know that you guys truly value it. So thank you so much for all that have donated in the past and for all that will in the future. Anthony Kanchesta. And with all that being said, let's finally dive into social Q&A live. Yosha! Moshere. Moshere. Even more dangerous because you won't know she's a lusting firebird, which means, okay, over acceptance, that she's going to allow for any form of mistreatment because that's just her now, her concept, her concept of reality. The way that you know this is because after, in post-sexual intimacy, she forms a deep super attachment. She won't let you go. She won't let you leave the bed. She won't let you go see anyone else. Like let's say you're in a casual, open and free relationship and you have the T's and C's. Uh, she, she may agree to those and she may enter an open, casual and free relationship with you. However, she won't respect the T's and C's at all. She won't respect them at all. She will break the T's and C's immediately. If you guys are only supposed to see each other once a week, she wants to see you every day. If you guys are only supposed to text based on logistics, she'll text you just wanting to know if you're still alive, if you're still, if you're still around, if, if, you're still, if you're still happy, if you're still smiling. Super, super deep attachment. She can't stand the thought of, of you not being there, of you not providing uh, that masculine energy for sure. So that's how you know she's of that nature. A more, because none of you are like this, I know that none of my followers are like this, but if you are a misguided, uh, or if you look at her previous experiences, because we're going to need to have, or actually maybe I'll pause that. Yeah, I'll pause that because that would be a good question for you guys. But let me just finish it up. Let me just finish it up with the description of the Lusting Firebird, which is that deep super attachment what you'll notice is that she just will not ever want you to leave. It's like a little child saying goodbye to the parents at the airport. Like they just hang onto the leg. They will get carried on the leg and that, that's it. They just attached, attached at the womb, attached at the seam. 
same with you. And when you experience this post-sexual intimacy, it'll take you by surprise because a lot of times the lusting fire burn nature doesn't appear until the sexual intimacy, just like ice turtle shell. So you may have had a great first day, great interaction to begin with. You know, everything's been fine up until this point. Actually, the entire sexual experience was fine. Awesome. But in post, you notice that, oh, okay, she doesn't. Even, she won't even let me get up out of bed. Or it's like, a, it's a bit of a fight to, to get up. You know, it, it's, it's like extreme cleanliness, extreme, but it's the cleanliness is not quite the right word. That's a little too, that's a little too, uh, what's the, uh, what's the movie of uh, fucking wedding crashes, stage five clinger. It's a, it's a little too, like, it's a little too comic. It's more just deep seated attachment that not so much of like, I need to be with you in a macro sense, but I need to be with you in a micro, like I need to be on you type thing. That's a woman who has lusting firebird complex, over attachment, over acceptance. Now, one, how did she get here? She got here because of, I said, a trickle down experience, several trickle down experiences patterned through in which that maybe it wasn't like the ice turtle shell who had a really horrific initial sexual abuse, but in very typical of lusting firebirds, it was just a trickle. It was just maybe one boyfriend was just a little too aggressive. Not all the time though, but just a little bit. So she got a little used to that. And then the next guy that she was with, maybe he just was really bad with the empathy and the trust, wasn't able to read when she was uncomfortable. So he pushed her pace, pushed her revs, pushed her wingspan a little too far for her comfort. And But she just went along with it. She was of a... Typically with lusting firebirds, they are the gentle type. They are the they are the very extremely trusting, extremely very uh docile. Very docile, very placid, very you know, very very soft shell by nature, very soft by nature. And so they're not the type of women that will necessarily say to you a hard no or a hard red flag, but they will they're always sitting in yellow. They're always kinda Neither giving you straight greens, neither giving you straight reds. And if you're not schooled on social dynamics on how to read a woman's green light or red light or yellow light, then as a lot of guys can fall into, they can they can just interpret all as green lights and make mistakes that way. And that's how lusting firebirds appear. Just a few experiences, two, three experiences where they get mistreated, right? They get abused but on a lower level in which that it wasn't such an aggressive, acute shock, an acute beat down or an acute uh, smashing, so to speak. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just, she got pushed too hard once, two, three, too many times. And now, now she comes to, here's the interesting thing. Here's a great question for you guys now to understand the lusting firebird. Do you think the lusting firebird, his class question, do you think the lusting firebird enjoys being abused and mistreated is that why you is that why she keeps allowing for it do you think that the lusting firebird and the white because that what is that nature what are we saying there when we say lusting firebird a woman who's been sexually abused and now forms a complex of over acceptance in which that she doesn't reject it in fact it's the opposite she actually invites it she doesn't even tell the man that she doesn't like it that she just allows it to happen again and again and again and actually seeks out that experience. Do you think she seeks out that experience because she enjoys it? Is that what you think's going on there? Hmm? 
If not, what do you think is going on there? There's uh, many ways of answering that part of the question. But the first part of the question is, does a lusting firebird actually enjoy her lusting firebird nature? Is that typical? And now I know, I know there's a very nuanced space question. Like that you could, everyone, everyone's a little bit different, but we're speaking generalities, eight out of 10 situation here. Think about that. Think about that. That's part one of the question. And then part two, like, okay, just because I know some, sometimes you guys get a little uh, tripped up on multiple questions, like questions that have multiple questions within them. So we'll just take it on that. First question, do you think the lusting firebird actually enjoys that nature? That that because of the result now that however she got there, whereas there's one, two, three, four, five experiences of low level sexual abuse, but then became over time just a conditioned pattern and a conditioned way of seeing the world. Do you think that she now seeks that out because she enjoys it? If not, then what? If not, then what? It's not enough just to say yes or no. You, you explain to me why. Explain to me why. It's not as easy as a question as you think it is. Because if you've actually spoken to lusting firebirds about this, women who have overacceptance complex, it's actually a little bit more complicated than you think it is. And varying as well. It's not blanket. It's definitely not blanket. There's no blanket answer to this. I'm very open to many different interpretations here. This podcast better be recording. <laughs> yeah, it is good. <laughs> okay, so we get our first answer up in here from Takumiku saying, I can see the traits of ice turtle and firebird in my own self. Dot, dot, dot. Hmm. Interesting you say that, T, because on my Girls of Daddy Issues videos, it's one of the most common comments is, what if you're a little bit of both? And uh, it's an interesting question that maybe we can address later on, but let me just say for right now that at different stages of the sexual progression, people can swing, right? There is definitely a general nature to each person who has past trauma, but it can definitely swing back and forward depending on uh, what stage of the sexual progression you're in. But for the most part, most people have a general disposition. But I didn't know that you had been uh, sexually abused before, T. I didn't know about that. Okay. Uh, Thank you for sharing, though. Terrence T. Frank then comes in saying, Maybe indirectly she enjoys it because it may be comforting in the sense that it is reaffirming her past experiences, which is comforting in a sense, kind of like a masochistic pleasure. Excellent. Excellent angle, T. T. Frank, that's an excellent angle to add on to there. The masochism was I was waiting for someone to hit that because that's a huge part of it. Huge part of it. When you said because it may be comforting in the sense that it is reaffirming her past experiences, I would just help you to adjust that just a little bit. It's definitely comforting, but maybe not in the sense that it's reaffirming her past experiences, but reaffirming what her past experiences have now allowed her to form as her current experience. Because it's not necessarily that comforting for a woman to have to remember what previous past sexual trauma was like. That's not necessarily the comforting thing for a lusting firebird anyway. What is the comforting thing, though, is that as a result of those experiences that helped her 
to form a way of perceiving the world and perceiving reality and more specifically sexual progression with a man that does include a lot of sexual abuse, that it's comforting for her to seek it out now and more in a masochistic way to your way you're saying because it reaffirms that this is my reality. So not necessarily comforting that it reaffirms the past experiences, but more so what it reaffirms the current experience, the current frame. You know, it's like, I talk about this more widely in terms of people's general pain, which is that people love their pain. People don't want to let go of their pain. Why? Because it's theirs. Because it makes up their current reality. And that is what they know. That's what's comforting about it. So I'll just, that was just, that's a real, I mean, that, that's, that's something that had to be corrected, but it's, you're pretty much on the money. So well done. That was good. Real good ankle there. Takumi then comes in saying, in my experience with a low-key abusive relationship, it wasn't that I wanted to be treated badly, more that my self-esteem was low, such that I thought it was normal and I deserved it. Okay. Sorry, so you're kind of jumping ships here. This is two different conversations. I know you're, talk- you're talking about something else. You're talking about your personal experience, but not, that's, not in a, that's not addressing the question that I asked, I don't think. And and also speaks to psychological trauma is also uh, rape is not just physical or sexual abuse is not just physical. It's definitely psychological as well. Like in terms of you can be inflicted psychologically. Ben then speaking to what T is talking there. Uh, ben then comes in to say on a myriad of levels, she's addicted to not necessarily the pain as it is painful, but rather the nuances that are accompanied with it, heightened emotions and adrenaline. Ooh as she is in a circular cycle of pleasure and pain that keeps recycling itself. Hmm, Ben's hit a different angle here, which is good. Ben's hit a different angle here, uh, which is great because it, it kind of builds off of what T. Frank was talking about. But when Ben talks about the nuance of she's addicted to the accompaniment of heightened emotions and adrenaline. So, hmm, so... In the example Ben's talking about, let me try and paint that out for you. I've spoken to several women that are lusting firebirds who have told me straight off the bat that they like to be in in a sexual space. They like to get aggressive. They like to get smacked around. They like to even do a little bit of the smacking themselves sometimes uh, in terms of smacking me around. But uh, which I'm okay. With. I love I love all the all the different colors of the rainbow. You know, I love all the different flavors. You know, I love me so. Uh, I love this of macadamia crunch, <laughs> but but a lot of women will say, uh, "Choke me." How about this? For guys who are new to social dynamics, you're new to sexual progression with women, can be a bit shocking when a woman says to you, "I want you to choke me." Can be a bit shocking to you when she says, "I want you to fuck me hard." You know, if you've never heard, if you've never been with a woman before that likes really aggressive sexual play, can be a bit shocking, and along with that. You might be going, there's something that Ben's touched on there, which is that, is it that she really likes the actual pain of being choked or the actual pain of being spanked or the actual pain of being thrown around a bit? Is that what she actually likes? Or is it that there's some heightened emotion and adrenaline going along with those things? It's both. It's both, definitely. To what degree of which depends on the woman. You know, if I speak to some different... Uh, especially sexual partners that I've been involved with for a long time that really like that, really like to be 
uh, just we just go to fucking town on each other. It was like a UFC match, like with sex, moved in with each other, and we both loved it. You know, when we speak about it afterwards, and I say, what is it that you like about it so much? And a lot of the women, there's a movie made about it called Fifty Shades of Grey, which is that a lot of uh, a lot of women love to be dominated. And I've I've spoken. Remember my mate. Remember my mate Jordan, uh, who had that crazy wild threesome in the in the wild sex stories uh, podcast, in which that that woman literally just said that you know she she likes two guys. She likes to be dominated by two guys. That's what she likes. You know, a lot of women love that. Uh, in the girls with daddy issues video, if you got there's a shit ton of comments on that video, but there's several along the lines of a woman saying, I actually like it when a guy is really firm and aggressive with me. And she was a lusting firebird, literally on that video, saying that that's, that's my nature. That's what I like. So it definitely, it's, it's there, absolutely. But it can be a bit shocking if you're not uh, ready to handle that, to do that, if that's not what you're about. Um, yeah, just interesting on there. Interesting angle that Ben added in with the heightened emotions and adrenaline. Uh, but... But I would say that is uh, that's le- Ben. That's leaning a little bit more towards a woman who's not necessarily a lusting firebird, but a woman that just likes a lot of fire. You know, lusting firebird. What we're, what we're talking about more specifically, that T Frank was a little more specific with, was that we're talking about a woman that has over acceptance, in which that you know she's allowing for a little too much abuse. Is that because she likes the hard emotions and adrenaline? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. But towards the latter half of what you were saying in your message, as that she's in a circular cycle of pleasure and pain that keeps recycling itself. Yes, but I think you're misattributing what the pleasure is. I don't think the pleasure in that scenario, for most women anyway, is heightened emotions and adrenaline. The pleasure is the attachment to having a man around, the masculine energy. That's what the lusting firebird is most after. It's just that bringing in T. Frank's answer, it's just that her current reality is now framed around that comes through pain. And if a woman gets a psychological frame of reality in which that my sexual pleasure must come through pain, then that's when Lusting Firebird turns on. That's when that comes on, okay? So not that you were completely off, Ben, but just a little more specific is what I wrapped on there. Good, good, Good entry though. T. Frank comes in saying, oh shoot, I see what you're saying 100%. Awesome, awesome T. Distracon's up in here saying, yo, good to have you here, Distracon. See ya. Ben Highland comes in saying, ah, I see, I do. Very good. Very good, Ben. Okay, so, so what do we do? So what do we do? With, now that we understand what the Losting Firebird is, why she enjoys it. Well, hang on, we didn't even, uh, I don't know, we kind of did. Like, you guys kind of brought, brought us there. Let me finish it though. The Losting Firebird, uh, what she gains the most why, when we talk about what is she actually enjoying, uh, why would she allow for this repeated sexual abuse if she's not enjoying it? T. Frank was closest to it, which is with which I just had to help out a little bit at the end there, which was frame of reality being confirmed that it is in fact her frame of reality, that she is in fact alive at a very core deep level. And so she will put up with ridiculous kind of abuse because this is what she's come to expect. This is what she thinks she's worth. So, now that we understand that, what to do? Dosuruka. How do we address this now? Going back to what we did with the ice turtle shell. If with the ice turtle shell, we couldn't play the, see what happens. 
see what happens, kind of just ignore it and just walk around the different part of the maze or, you know, just pretend that she doesn't hasn't brought up this broken bird complex mentality and just 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 hope that we get to fly again another day. You know, we can't do that. We have to aggressively aggressively and actively approach a direct conversation with it, being the receiving force though. Doing very little ourselves other than setting up the space for it. What do we need to do now with the lasting firebird? Because remember the 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 manifestation of it is very it's the complete opposite of an ice turtle shell. Ice turtle shell is lockdown mode. Open firebird is inhalation. It is extreme excessive attachment. That is how it manifests past the actual sexual experience itself. Within the sexual experience itself, she may ask you to do things that you're that you know that are just not good. Like she may ask you to do physical things that you know like that's gonna hurt. Like that's really gonna hurt. You sure you want me to do that? And she goes, Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So I'm not talking about that now. We've moved past that. What I'm talking about now is how do we how do we address this with her? Once it's past that point, because past the the really physical sexual stuff that that's borderline abusive that you know is abusive, but she doesn't seem to think it's abusive. Putting that to the side, I told I told you before about the supreme attachment about. A losting firebird now wants to make sure that you're not going anywhere. That this is this is all men on deck stations, right? That this guy must be with me at all times, at all places. So how are we going to address this with her? Is that too open of a question for you guys? Oh, by the way, Ski then goes and said, uh, got to head off. Great session so far. Have a great day slash night, fellas. Yep. Thanks for being here, Ski. Appreciate it. So you have a good day. You have a good night. Hey. So, so with a lasting fireburn, do you think the active conversation is what needs to happen here? Do you think that we can uh, just see what happens? Do you think it gets better over time? Do you think the direct conversation is going to be the same direct conversation as that we have with the Ice Turtle Show? There's a lot of questions that could pop up in here. I'm going to start to begin this, and if any of you start to have any ideas, any answers of how you think it is best, uh, because some of you just might have absolutely no idea. If you've never been down this road before with a lusting firebird and how to address the situation of her, you probably have absolutely no idea. But but there's no way that I can ask a question that doesn't already give you the answer. So I'm just going to go into it. And if you start to get ideas, maybe some questions will pop up. But if you start to get ideas, just drop them in. I'll read them out. But with the lasting firebird who has a deep supreme attachment to you. There's something that I said at the beginning of this, not only the beginning of this conversation, this con- this podcast, but also the beginning of this particular point, which was sometimes it's best to just not entertain it at all. So conversely to dealing with a woman who locks down, shut down mode, ice turtle mode in the result of sexual intimacy, we had to have a direct conversation with her, right? But it was an inference, and I gave you the tactics of what happens once you have a successful conversation, which is, okay, emotional sexual connection, let's build the foundation, let's breathe together. There was I gave you that. The reason why I told you that bit about how to now build a new foundation of her is because there's an inference I inferred that we will actually continue the sexual intimacy. We will actually continue a sexual interaction of her across time with her. 
you know, go on more dates, go out and have more experiences of her. That was inferred with the Ice Turtle Shell. But maybe not so much with the Lusting Firebird. Why do you guys might think that is? That'll, that's an easier question for you guys. Why am I saying in an ice in the opposite example, why am I saying of a lusting firebird, a woman with overacceptance mentality of sexual abuse, and now forms deep, supreme attachment to you that not only will she allow for sexual abuse, but she won't let you go. She will not she cannot stand for you not to be around her at all times. And that's obviously this is the most extreme of it. Obviously, there's a scale between them, but this I'm painting the most extreme. Why do why am why do you think I might say actually? Maybe no inference of a continued sexual experience. Maybe we don't want to entertain this at all. Why do you think I'm saying that? Why, why do you think that's a potential? Why do you think that's now actually more than just a potential, but maybe actually be a best case scenario in a case of a woman who's showing us a far too, far too extreme inclination to endure sexual abuse and to not only after that become attached to it or the person giving that. Why do you think maybe we shouldn't do this at all? For this one here, you have to think about the answer lies in how she became a lusting firebird. If you can think back to how I said lusting firebirds become lusting firebirds, how a woman becomes overattached and overaccepting of sexual abuse, both physically and psychologically. That, if you think about how that happens, and I very specifically went through how that happens, that will give you the answer to why now, now that we know about her nature, why we may not even want to entertain any sexual intimacy with her, at least until she repairs or recovers on her own. That's a good one. Yo, yo, okay, so we got a few answers up in here. T. Frank comes in saying, because the lusting firebird may tell you what she thinks you want to hear in order to keep you around. Give me an example, T. Frank. I like where you're going with that. Give me an example. What might she tell me that I think I want to hear in order to keep me around? Give me an example. That's good though. I like that. When T. Frank says, because the lusting lusting firebird may tell you that she, what she thinks you want to hear in order to keep you around, and that's why we should maybe not entertain any sexual intimacy of her at all. Give me an example, T. Frank. You're the first one coming. I'll give you a gold medal if you can give me a really specific example. That's good. And don't worry, gold medals are retroactive because you were the first one to come in. So if you can give me a specific, I'll give you gold medal on that. Give me some Zeddy. Right, give me that Zeddy. <laughs> Distract on there, guys. It's saying to help her get her mind right. Hmm. So, Distract and put a question mark on the end of that. So, it's not actually an answer. He's asking me a question. But uh, but I would say it's pretty far off anyway. So, you want to rethink that. Want to rethink that. Distract on wasn't here, though, at the beginning of this. Not the beginning. But the part of the podcast in which that Ben Highland got destroyed. And uh, actually, a couple guys got destroyed. Not just Ben. On their trying to fix her mentality. So, he, Distract on's off in that sense as well. So, he needs to think about that a little bit more. She definitely needs to get her mind right, but as to the helping of it, there's very little you're going to do within that. There's very little you can do within that, nor should you desire. Uh, Ben Highland then comes in saying, Ben High comes in saying, remove the need for attachment by setting your boundaries.
boundaries and holding firm otherwise, the firebird will continue to escalate and turn you into her next victim in a sense. Or rather, she will turn herself into the next victim of her own self if you do not change her frame. Okay, you said a lot of things here, Ben. Let me try this again. Remove the need for attachment by setting your boundaries and holding firm. So the question was, just to remind you guys, why is it that we might think about not entertaining any sexual intimacy with a woman who presents with overacceptance mentality, aka lusting firebird? And Ben's saying because you need to remove the need for attachment by setting your boundaries. Removing whose need for attachment, Ben? Yours or hers? He said by, by setting your boundaries, so I guess you mean you. And holding firm otherwise, the firebird will continue to escalate and turn you into her next victim in a sense. Or rather, she will turn herself into the next victim of her own self. A bit, a bit too general, Ben. I agree that we need to remove an attachment, but it's not necessarily our attachment. That's why I kind of pick, picked you up on that. You need to refine that a little bit. I'm not quite on the money with that. I'm just reading the last bit. Or rather, she will return herself into the next victim of her own self if you do not change her frame. Again, Ben, again, Ben, when you at the end there, when you say, if you do not change her frame, I'm not sure what you mean by that because it sounds like what you were trying to say before with the, last, with the ice turtle shell. We can't change her frame for her because what you're saying there is that otherwise she will turn herself into the next victim of her own self if you do not change her frame. We never can change her frame. There's nothing we can do to change her frame. That's not, and so there's an issue with that mentality, but there's also it's also not, not correct in terms of why we wouldn't entertain sexual intimacy, even if we could somehow change her frame, which we can't, but even if we could. So just think about that a bit more. I like that you're thinking though. That's all we're about here. That's what we're about here at the bowl. So T comes in saying, when girls have cut me off for being too needy, it's helped me see my own neediness. So cutting her off may help her see her own issues. Okay, so T, I like uh, I like the first bit. It's true. When a girl cuts you off, it definitely helps you reflect on your own behavior, for sure. But then when you say, so cutting her off may help her see her own issues, who said cutting her off? Did I ever say that we're going to cut her off? Didn't I say, isn't it a potential that we just might not entertain sexual intimacy? But did at any point did I say that we're cutting her off altogether? So you've assumed something here. You've assumed something that I didn't, I didn't say at all. So you're inferring or assuming that we're cutting her off altogether. I didn't say that. All I said was that we just maybe will not entertain sexual intimacy. And But why may that be? Now, let's, let's account for your incorrect assumption. And let's just say that let's re, reframe your answer and say that, okay, well, maybe if we're not cutting her off altogether, but maybe if we just cut off the sexual intimacy, that will help her to see her own issues. So we're, we're, we're helping T's answer out there a little bit. It's not actually what he said, but let's just say he said that. It would definitely help her to reflect. So what T needs then, if that was his answer, which it wasn't, if he did say that, 
What T would then be missing is what T Franklin was missing, which is the specific of what it actually gets her to see, which is the very nature of how her, she came to become a lusting firebird. So you're missing a couple things there, T. You're on the money with the reflection, what it gets her to see. You just need to tell me what she's going to see. Then you'll get it. Then you'll get it. T Frank, when he said, because the lusting firebird may tell you what she thinks you want to hear in order to keep you around. I was waiting for a specific on that. He then comes and saying, I'm thinking Adam, but I can't come to an answer yet. It's all right, T. It's all right, Franco. You're all right. Take your time. Uh, not too much time though. This is not an episode of, uh, this, this is not Lord of the Rings. We've got to keep moving. Uh, actually, this is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> These are four-hour sessions. <laughs> this is longer than Lord of the Rings. Um, that was a bad one. <laughs> I want to talk. We are definitely doing a Lord of the Rings session here. Uh, ben Hyde then comes in saying, by holding your frame of not giving into the Firebird, Ah, here we go. Hold on, you guys are typing a lot of shit. Hold on. By holding Ben Hyde, by holding your frame of not giving into the Firebird, do don't you in turn change hers in brackets or leave room for her to in brackets and allow her to be herself and you to be yourself. So I agree with definitely you need to be able to hold your frame, Ben, but you're incorrect in saying that just because you hold her frame, you in turn change hers. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because what you're essentially saying there is that your 50 uh, dictates her 50. Incorrect. Your 50 does not uh, dictate her 50. Your 50 dictates your 50. Whatever she does as a response to her, your 50 is her 50. But nothing, just for, to give you an easier example to understand this, just because when you roll up on a woman in an initial interaction that you have the very best of your 50, strong intent, strong eye contact, strong vocal projection, strong body language, and strong vibe, just because that's all there on your end, that doesn't allow her then to match and have strong intent on hers, strong eyes on her, strong vocal on her, strong body on her. Your 50 doesn't dictate hers. Your 50s are separate. So just because, for example, Ben, now to bring it into this example, when I've been on a date with a girl and I had, uh, I'll give you an example from a real lusting firebird in which that, you know, just after getting done, having our first sexual intimate experience, she wouldn't let me leave the bed. She wouldn't let, wouldn't let me go, right? So when I told her that, hey, listen, no, no, but then that's going to give you the, ah, we're not there yet. We're not. Th- we're not there yet in the podcast. Okay. How do I? How do I? How do I finish this story to help you? So when I let me say this, when I held my frame and I didn't give in to the lusting firebirds' desires and wants for me to just be attached to her, that didn't change her. That doesn't change her. It helps me out because it it definitely helps her out as well because it shows her okay this guy's not going to put up and is not going to enable me. It's true, but it doesn't by default change her. She continued on in that story anyway to continue being uh, her lusting firebird nature. Nothing I was going to do was going to change that. Hmm. Okay. So T. Frank finally comes with an example. Here we go. I'm excited for this. T. Frank sent an example. The firebird may behave in a submissive manner 
essentially giving you the green light on just about anything you say or do, simply to keep that attachment there. Engaging with her sexually will just enable her to continue behaving in the way of the firebird. You're 100% spot on, and T-Frey is good there. It's interesting how you use the word enable, just as I did, but I hadn't even read your comment yet. But you're, you're absolutely correct, yet that doesn't seem specific to your initial answer. Your initial answer was... Because the lusting firebird may tell you what she thinks you want to hear in order to keep you around. I was looking for an ex- a specific of what she might say. But what you've said here is that an example of the... Firebird may behave in a submissive manner, essentially giving you the green light on just about anything you say or do, simply to keep the atta- to keep the attachment there. Okay, so if I unpick that a little bit, because what where are we at in this podcast with this question? This question is, why is it that I'm telling you guys it may not be the best idea to continue a sexually intimate experience and interaction and relationship with a woman who presents as an over-accepting, lusting firebird? Why that might not necessarily be a good idea? And when T says, T Frank says, because uh, she may act, do, say, behave in a way that would actually lead you to believe it's okay. Definitely. Definitely. It's just that there's there's something... I, I was hoping T. Frank was going to say something like an actual specific of what she might say. Because there's a couple that come to mind of how a, of a, how a lusting firebird will try and do exactly... So T. Frank, let me finish this. You have definitely got the correct answer. You're 100% on the money. Just, it's very general. It's very. I was just looking for a specific what it looks like, what it sounds like, because other guys listening to this and newbies who are coming here for instruction uh, may understand what you said there. But we always need to pin our lessons to an actual visual or an actual audio, so that when you're in the actual moment, you don't have to break down a principle of social dynamics. But you can just know that oh, when a girl says "Don't hurt me," that might indicate she's had some sexual abuse before. I better slow things down, you know. So. So when you're actually in the moment, you will register a visual or an audio cue much, much faster, like a short phrase, much faster than a principle. So the principle is good. So let me build on your principle there. Um, oh, but then he went on to say engaging with her sexually would just enable her to continue behave in the way of the firebird. Because that, that's a little bit closer on as well. Okay, well, you're very, you're very close. You're very close. You're very there. Not 100%, but we're there. We're very close. Ben says, and I'll admit, trying for too much in the first answer, I shot out of my cannon. No, Adam, this is Sparta. What do you mean this is Sparta? This is Sparta. I know this is Sparta, but I don't know why you're saying that. <laughs> Shit. Oh, with your shield or on it. This is Sparta, but... I don't know why you're saying that, man. <laughs> so let me wrap it up here. Let me. Everyone's done real good to uh, offer their best, and we've got a good few guys who came in pretty close, but let's wrap it up here. So the reason why we may... Oh, T also didn't come in with his final... We didn't, T didn't come in to recorrect his. That's okay. We'll finish it up now. So the reason why when we are faced with a lusting firebird, why we may not want to perpetuate the sexual experience and to actually go into it ever again with her until we see marked change and marked recovery and marked progression on her end is 100% because of how she became the lusting firebird. I told you guys that the answer was to this question lay in the 
understanding of how she became that way. The way, when I said at the beginning, when we described what the lusting firebird is in the form of sexual abuse, how did she become that way? Through trickle-down experiences, one after the other that reinforced her perception of reality. So, if you are presented with a lusting firebird, you get into that sexual experience of her, you had no idea beforehand, but then all of a sudden, she, in the actual sexual moment, requests physically abusive things that you just just don't seem neither appropriate in terms of the progression that you two are at. It's like we only just met and we've only just finished making out and now you're saying that you really want me to choke you within the point of where you can't even breathe. Right? Like she's like really like specific about that or she's like, I want you I want you to actually whip me so that I can, it's okay if I even start bleeding. You know, like girls, girls get specific about it that have these lusting fiber traits. Like they get really physically specific. It's like, I, I want you to, it just until I gag, until I can't breathe, until, until there's like red marks, you know, they, they're, they're lusting after it. That's why it's called lusting fiber. It's very aggressive in that sense. So if any of that happened in the sexual moment, okay, yeah, they're definitely giving you red flags. Like we definitely need to back it up here. There's something going on. But then even if it's, it wasn't, that aggressive within the actual experience maybe there's only hints maybe it was more subtle maybe there's a few hints of just that she kind of pushed things a little too fast even for me like even for me i wasn't quite ready for that pace that can instigate uh that, that can hint towards some lasting fiber nature as well but it's really in the post it's really in when she says uh when not only when she says but when she goes into super super deep attachment she will not let you go. It's it's hard to get out of the bed. It's hard to like she'll she'll walk with you to to the car and she'll make sure that she sees you off from the very last moment. Like it's it's pulling teeth, it's pulling babies off legs type thing. When you got a girl of this nature, if you were to continue the sexual experience with her, you think about how she became that way. Are you helping? Are you helping that? Are you helping her journey of recovery and progression? By doing the very thing that entered her into it. Now you may think, but I wasn't being abusive to her. I wasn't being abusive at all. Like I wasn't part of those initial trickling experiences. I'm not doing, certainly not doing anything that would even replicate those trickling experiences. But are you? But are you? Because just because she asked for it. This is why I asked you guys at the beginning. Does she enjoy what does she enjoy about the over aggressive sexual abuse? What is she enjoying there? So just because you're you have no malintent, just because you are just doing as she asked. She asked me to choke her really hard. She asked me to spank her to the point of where she's almost bleeding, or to to throw her around and to 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 do really aggressive physical things. But I, it wasn't my idea, Adam. She asked me to do it, so I thought I was just, you know, just just reciprocating her desires. It seemed like she really she was enjoying it in the moment, Adam. So wasn't that okay? Like she asked me to do it. Are you though? Are you helping? How is that so dissimilar to what happened to allow her to become the firebird? The only thing that's missing is the malintent. But all the actions are the same. All of those 
slightly hyper-aggressive actions, the very requests she is making of you, where do you think those requests came from? At the beginning. Now, of course, we're talking about lusting fiber. I'm not talking about a freaky girl who just likes to, like a lot of the girls that I hang out with that like to just get animal about it. That's different. That's a totally different thing. We're talking about a girl that has been sexually abused before. Those specifics of asking her when she asks you to throw against the door to, uh, to do any manner of physically aggressive thing to her that you think is a little bit out of line, a little bit out of step, and you're not really even... Uh, comfortable with yourself, but because she's asking for it, if you do it and repeatedly, so this, we're talking about here why we would never do it again. While I'm saying why maybe we don't even want to go into another sexual experience of her because we know she's going to request this, but why is she requesting it? Because it came from somewhere, the trickle down that led her to become this way. So if you were to continue acquiescing to her request and to you don't, and what does that mean? What that means is that you're not necessarily that enthused with it, but you'll do it because she's requesting. That's what act to acquiesce means to, to do, but to not be so happy about doing. You are, are you helping? I don't think so. While you may not have installed with a negative intent and the malintent, you're still repeating the very thing that allowed her to become the way she is. You're still... So the key word that I had said before, enable, and then to what T. Frank had said afterwards, enable, you are enabling, opening up the pathway for more pattern behavior, for this, for this, in, this, this reinforcing, there's the word, for the reinforcing of her perception of reality. So that's why I had to ask you guys before about what is it that she enjoys about it? What is it that she enjoys about the physical abuse of a girl who operates in this way? And it's beyond whether, because some girls, don't get it confused, some girls just do like really physically aggressive sex. That's not rape. That's not anything they would go and call the police about, that they would routinely do with their partners and and enjoy. And many of my sexual partners, uh, and what I like to enjoy is on a very physical level, especially if you guys are really in connection with that and you really trust each other. That's completely different. But in this example, whether it's the extremely aggressive choking, spanking, throwing against the door, whatever it is, it is the reinforcing of her perception of reality that she craves the most. And so if you were to perpetuate that and the circumstances and the parameters in which that can come through, then I can't see how you're helping her. Even though you don't have the intent to even to do anything negative or uh, ill will. I know that's not your intent. Just your very nature of entertaining that style of sexuality and sexual intimacy with her is leading her down a path of no return. Of how could she ever return? How could she ever fly again? How could she ever? And not, and not actually, that's a, let me recorrect that analogy. How could she ever fly right again? Because she's flying. The lasting firebird, as opposed to the ice turtle shell, ice turtle shell doesn't even fly. But the Lusting Firebird is flying. Lusting Firebird. But she's flying at such a ridiculous, hectic pace with no control whatsoever. She's just all out. She's got no nav. But to get her back on nav, to get her back on path, you can't allow for the reconditioned patterns of behavior to persist. If you're going to continue doing that, well, then it's just as bad as if you did have negative intent. 
Why? Because the end result is the same. The end result is the same. Right? You, you may be able to sleep, sleep well at night because you didn't have negative intent, but she's not. She's not. She's still going to have to deal with those demons. And so for me, the end result is what matters. The end result is, are we helping someone to, to, to fly right? To fly again? To fly again or to fly right? That's really what this podcast boils down to. When, you've, when you are faced with a woman who has deal, dealt with sexual abuse, your primary role is to allow for the space and the environment. Your primary role is to allow for the space and the environment in which that they can one day fly again or one day fly right. That's the separation between the two. And the way that we get there, to recap this in number one, is that we, never, we can never force them to fly right. We can never force them to fly again. And there's nothing that we can do that ever can bring them to that other than to allow them a hint of confidence, a brief moment of confidence in which that they could start to trust themselves. They could start to believe they could fly again, that they could start to believe that they could go right again. So let me just, we haven't fully fleshed out what that looks like specifically with the Lasting Firebird. So specifically, oh, and T. Frank came with a great comment, a great add-on there saying, it's that, in quotes, I was just following orders, in quotes, mindset, which is the, absolutely, that's that's the Nazi mindset. That's the uh, that's the German people's mindset that led to the atrocities in uh, World War II, Nazi Germany. I was just following orders, all right? But that doesn't, that doesn't dismiss you from responsibility. Absolutely not. So just because you were following orders. So, so specifically with The Lasting Firebird, if you guys get it now that, okay, so the reason why it's probably not a good idea to entertain another sexual experience of her is because even though I don't have malintent, I'm still allowing, enabling the reconditioned patterns to persist and to get deeper and deeper. Probably don't want to do that. All right, so what do we want to do then? Principles, direct, open, honest communication of her. Because it wasn't just that she had excessive desires for physical sexuality like and really abusive stuff. It's also the deep-seated attachment. That's not going to come fix itself. That's not going to be something that she's going to be aware of, that she even thinks that's wrong. That's not going to... It's, it's something that she has to be talked to about. But my friends, talk to by who? Not you, by her. She needs to talk to herself about that. But it's the male mind that, no, I need to talk to her about her attachment. I need to talk to her about her excessive need for physical abuse. No, you don't. No, you don't. You are not going to sit there and say, listen, Jenna, I noticed the other night that your requests for uh, physical sexual intimacy were extremely abusive. This is not healthy. This is not right. You got to turn it down. You got to back it up. And also, you're super attached as well, which means that this is never going to be healthy between us and that we can't have a solid relationship together. You've got to form your own self-worth and you've got to start to walk on your... You can see, like, no, this, she needs to have a conversation, but she needs to have a conversation with herself so that she can see the light so that she can start to drink on her own. So the remedy for that is the same as the ice. The only difference between the ice and the fire is that with the ice, it's okay to then dive into another sexual experience to help her to fly again. All right? She was on the ground, starting off to fly again. With the fire, we still want to have that direct, open, honest conversation of her to allow her to talk herself into realization, talk herself into awareness just by asking questions. So what are those questions? What do you think those questions would sound like? Guys, for those of you in the chat, you want to drop a couple, drop a couple of your, your best guesses 
or your, what you think would be good questions. Because now you know that it shouldn't be us ta- telling her what to do, but it should be us asking her questions so she can work it out for herself. What would be a good question to ask her in that raw conversation? Say it's the night after your previous night and you noticed the excessive need for physical abuse, but also these deep-seated attachment. If we're not going to state to her specifically, this is what you need to do, what kind of questions might we ask her? This would be a great redeeming opportunity for those of you in the chat who got it wrong at the beginning. This would be a great redeemer. Show me that you've learned. Show me that you understand this concept by telling me what type of questions you would now ask her to help realize her firebird nature and maybe what she would, how could she best, best progress, how she could realize that for herself. Give me that. Give me that. Ben Harwin then comes in saying, this is, after Ben Harwin's, this is Sparta, <laughs> saying, you're my Leonidas. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, my friend, but listen, 300 is all-time top five movies. I think it's my number three. Number one, Avatar by James Cameron. Number two, Last Samurai by Edward Zwick. And number three, 300 by Zack Schneider. Yeah, there you go. Top three. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe no. Maybe maybe it's number four because Kimmy and Iowa. Kimmy and Iowa is def is up there and number is, is in the top five for sure as well. Anyways, getting back on track here. Ben Harlan says, "Does the Firebird have a form of addiction, or is it more mental illness to the trickle down of abuse that snowballed?" No, you're definitely correct on that, Ben. The, the addiction is true. You were right on the addiction point. It's what you were thinking the addiction was to that was off. What she's addicted to is not the heightened adrenaline and emotions. What she's addicted to is the reinforcing of a current way of reality. If you can understand that, that's where addiction comes in. Yeah. And listen, the the term mental illness is very general and very broad. Like what isn't mental illness? (laughs) You know, like there's uh, the way that people diagnose depression. it's It's not a specific science. There are many ways of saying of looking at what a mental illness or depression may be. You know, to me, from my perspective, a mental illness is an attachment to anything. That is an ill of the mind. That is that is the mind gone wrong. That is the mind that has stepped out beyond what is true. So to me, if you say, if you're attached to anything in this life, that is a form of mental illness. So let's move on. Getting way too philosophical there. So Carl Thompson then comes in saying, had this experience... She was, hang on, had this experience. She was raped when she was 14. 15 years later, she asked me to tie her down and have sex with her. Dot, 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 made me uncomfortable, tried to please her. She untied herself, turn off for me. Yeah, Carl, I love that you dropped that in because that's what we've been talking about for this last 15, 20 minutes of this podcast particularly, of that. This is that's a perfect example of a lusting firebird, of a woman who. I mean, I don't know at what level of sexual progression you were at before that, but from the way you've described it, it sounds like it was a big jump. It sounds like something you weren't ready for because it says that it made you uncomfortable. You know, a woman that asked her to tie her down and have sex with her. Listen, like that's a that's a clear sign of a lusting firebird if it's coming at it un. Now if. If you're six months, 12 months into a deep sexual relationship, you can be pretty sure it's not lasting fiber. That would have come up way earlier. It's when this stuff happens acutely. It's when it happens in the short term when you don't really know each other that well. 
that's when you know these things are lost in firebird mentality. Great share though, Carl. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that one. Distract on coming and saying, I'm probably going to be off again, but fuck it. <laughs> I'd ask her something along the lines of what makes you into that sort of thing? Great, Distract. Great. Okay, so where's where are we at in this right here? I asked you guys for to show me that you had redeemed yourselves. So uh, T Frank, Ben, T, the other, Takumi. I asked you guys to give me what type of questions would we ask a Losting Firebird to help her see her own light and to start in that direct conversation after we ascertain, okay, we've got some issues to deal with here, but we're not going to tell her how to fix herself. We're going to get her to help herself to fix herself. Distracon's coming with the first answer saying, I'm probably going to be off it, but fuck it. Uh, it's funny, the thing is that you weren't off, so you fuck it, you're on. He says, I'd ask her something along the lines of what makes you into that sort of thing. Great. Great first question. So the way that we wouldn't start the conversation that way, but the way we start the conversation is about, you know, listen, Jenna, I noticed the other night, things kind of got a little bit, uh, little bit out of hand, at least for me. Like there were some things that you asked me to do that I wasn't really comfortable with. I think you could tell that. So I just want to understand. Again, I want to feel you. I want to understand us. So I'm here to listen. First off, in the distract on example, when it, so we always add that pre-context of that, I'm here to listen. I'm here to feel you. I want to understand us. That's always the pre-context. That's what builds the trust that will allow her to share. If you don't do that, she will not share open and honestly. Why would she? And so then when you go on and say, well, so what makes you into that sort of thing? Distract on, you must be very careful with your vocal tonality. That's the only potential red flag in what you're saying there. But the actual question is great. As long as the question comes out as so, not so abruptly like, so what what makes you into that sort of thing? Not like that, because that's very, again, that's very inferring that she's broken. Right, inferring that she needs to be fixed, as if inferring there's something wrong with it. While there is something wrong with it, that's not our place to say. That's her place to find out for herself because she doesn't know. But we can't have her thinking that we're here to be the drill sergeant telling her what it is. She needs to know what it is for herself. So as long as you could rephrase that or use a vocal tonality in what makes you into that sort of thing, just like that, just very curious but very understanding and a less dangerous way of saying that, that would definitely remove the potential of you entering male analytical mode would be just going. So help me to understand why you asked me to do those things. Just help me to understand, help me to understand uh, why you wanted me to do X, you know, and that's a, just a more, a less dangerous way of rephrasing what you've said. But even if you did want to go with, so what makes you into that sort of thing, just change the vocal tonality to, so, uh, you know, what makes you into that kind of thing? Very understanding. I just want to know. I'm not here to judge it. I just want to know. Versus, so yeah, what makes you into that sort of thing? Very judgmental, very much inferring that she's a broken toy, broken bird that needs to be fixed. We don't want that. So as long as you can get the vocal tonality right, for absolute beginners, don't even mess with it. Don't even, if you're not used to these type of conversations, don't even allow yourself the chance to mess up the vocal tonality. Just go with something as very calm as, so help me to understand why you asked me to do those things. And then, just like before, she will need a few turns of the tap. She will not gush. She will go, uh, what, what do you mean? What, what kind of things? 
What do you mean? Because she doesn't know that that's wrong, aka, or that that's unhealthy. She doesn't know that. She that's her current perception of reality. That to get tied, like in Carl's example, to get tied down and for a guy to tie me down and have sex with me, that's that's normal, right? That's her way of thinking, at least on a subconscious level. So she might go, uh, what do you mean? What, what kind of sort of things? And that's when you'd go, well, you know, I noticed you wanted me to tie you down or you, you wanted me to handcuff you to the bed. And, uh, you know, we've only kind of just met. I thought that was, you know, didn't, that felt like a little bit fast to me. Right? And she goes, uh, and she goes, oh, okay, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. She wants you to turn the tap again because now she's starting to get, okay, maybe, maybe we're going to dive into some shit here that I haven't dived into for a bit. So she'll be a little bit apprehensive at first. So then you go, so is there anything that happened in the past that maybe led you to desiring those kinds of things? And then she go, oh, yeah, well, there was this time actually where, you know, I don't speak about this a lot, but, you know, some of my past boyfriends have kind of, you know, not been very good to me, you know, kind of treated me really bad. She'll put that pause. She'll wait for you to turn the tap again. Which is what is the turning of the tap, guys? As we learn in ice in the ice turtle shell, it's acceptance by showing her it's okay, because she will, she will pause at certain moments to look for your acceptance to go that she hasn't said anything too ridiculous or anything too shocking or anything too bad in her mind. So as long as you just you know just smile and nod and you just nod and go, hey, it's okay, share, it's okay, right? That's what I mean by turning the tap. And you'll need to do that a few times before she's ready to completely run, run the tap. Once you run the taps, that's then you're good. And that's when you need to work on yourself to shut the hell up, right? And so when you turn that tap and go, oh yeah, so sugar, your boyfriend's like, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to, but uh, it would help me to understand you a lot more and for us to understand each other. If you could give me some idea of maybe what happened back then, but only if you're comfortable, only if you're comfortable, no pressure. That's a turning of the tap. And then she go, okay, so this is what happened with X, Y, and Z. Okay. And then with the lasting firebirds, what you'll note is that it's multiple. It's not just one. So don't be so rushing. Don't rush it. This conversation is not to be rushed. This should take hours. It should be a long, drawn-out conversation, which features minimal input from you, but maximum listening from you. Minimal input, maximum reception. You're just there to receive. You're just there to feel everything that she's saying. And now the final wrap-up is, how does this now differ from the ice turtle shell, which is that, well, instead of now saying to her, after all of this stuff has come out and say she's just uncovered all of these sexual abuse incidents that were you know, trickle-down effects, they weren't acute, massive, uh, extreme rapes or anything like that, but they were just a couple 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 slightly off experiences where a couple guys pushed her a little too far you know did a little too much and then she just conditioned her perception of reality to expect that forever and always now and that's uncovered now unlike the ice turtle shell in which i say to her now okay let's start back at the beginning let's just start to breathe together right and then begin the journey again of sexual intimacy with this girl now Based on what we saw, based on what we saw the previous night, to the degree of what level of sexual abuse, physical desire she wanted, which basically was physical abuse, and also the super attachment that came after it. This is the point. 
this is what we need to say to her. And it's going to be based on what she says, of course. But at this stage, like if we're dealing with what we're dealing with here, there's not too much, there's not too much room to move here. It's going to be something very similar to this, which is, listen, based on where you're at in life and based on your experiences, and it feels like you haven't really shared a lot of this before or kind of dealt with this before, I want you to know that I'm always going to be here for you. Like you want to work through this, you want to talk to me with this, I'll be here for you. However, I feel like it would actually only hinder your progression, that your ability to fly right again, it would only hinder that if we continue to have sex, if we continue to get sexually intimate. Because, and I, and I know that it's not because I don't think I'm going to be able to say no to you or withhold those like things that I know that are not good for you. It's just that I don't want to keep reinforcing that reality for you. I want you to completely, completely do away with that paper wall, that, that vision, that way of perceiving reality before we ever try this again. Okay, so essentially what I'm conveying here is that sexually, we should not entertain this together. And I know you've, as you've seen, and this, what's great about this, guys, is that because this is after the two-hour conversation, she's just going to be, she'll be in total agreeance if you've done this conversation correctly because why? She found the answer for herself. You're just resounding her answers. She will already have worked out for herself, okay, it seems that I've got a lot of work to do. It seems that I was asking really quite outrageous things of you and there's probably some stuff going on underneath me and I probably shouldn't get into another sexual experience. So this is not new, like what you're saying now. You're just putting a cap on it and resounding for her that you agree. And so she'll be in agreement with this. She'll be in agreement with this if you do the conversation correctly. However, if you don't do the conversation and you just one day say, and after that sexual experience, you say to her, hey, listen, I don't think we should see each other. Right, that's gonna just oh, deeper, deeper into lusting fire. But as a masculine being, you must take it upon yourself to instigate the ability for someone to repair and to heal and to progress. But then just let them do the work. You set the space, let them do the work. And uh, that's why I'm not going to entertain further sexual intimacy with a lusting firebird. Uh, that's just a true and true, because there's no need. There's it's only hindrance. There's no helping with us continuing that sexual intimacy. Even if she says to you, what if she's like, some of you might think, what if she says, uh, what if we just take it slow? Like you do with the ice turtle shell, Adam. Because you say with the ice turtle shell, you would go into further sexual intimacy, but just slower, you know, start breathing. Can't I just start breathing with her? Listen, if a girl's in lusting firebird, the reason why she's there is because of the trickle down experiences, because it's a conditioned pattern. One thing leads to the next. So, if you don't think that all that hardwired reference experience of the past is going to get instigated the moment you guys start breathing together, right? She's going to, her nature is going to light up. She needs time to repair. And it's very hard, I know, for young guys and for guys in social dynamics to let go. It's very hard for you to let go of a potential sexual opportunity because you're in scarcity mentality, because, because you, you've attached your ego to sexual validation. I know, it's very difficult. But please, put someone else's development and someone else's well-being ahead of yours. If you could, what you'll find is that you will actually grow much further. Yeah? And I, I said that in a little bit of a... Uh, in a I said that addressing the lowest common denominators. I know you guys aren't the lowest common denominators if you're watching my content. Some of you might just think, but Adam, I really like this girl. Like, I really just like her. 
I'm like, that's why I didn't say to what, when T was incorrect, when T made an assumption that we're cutting her off altogether, are we cutting her off altogether? No, we're not. I didn't say to her at the end, all right, and so now I feel like we should never see each other ever again. I didn't say that. I said, what did I say? I said, I'll always be here for you. And here is the trust and the empathy. I said this at the beginning of the podcast. What does a woman who's been through sexual abuse most need from you? She needs to know that you'll be patient. She needs to know that you'll be empathetic. And that will install the foundation of trust. Now, in, in none of those three keys does sexual intimacy become a prerequisite requirement. You can build empathy, build trust, show her patience without sexual intimacy. You can do all those things. You can have, if you, you, should, you should be able to show yourself that you could spend a night on the beach of a woman lying down on the, on the sand and just being there listening, just talking, just allowing her to work, work herself through herself, work herself through herself. If you can't do that, you've got a lot of work to do yourself, right? So we, we're not, as, as opposed to what some guys may believe or may have thought, we are not ever abandoning a woman because of her sexual abuse complexes, whether it be ice turtle shell or lusting firebird. We're never abandoning her. We're never giving her the idea that she's unwanted because of it. We are never doing that. We are, however, making extremely aware decisions based on what is best, what is best for both of us, okay? In the ice turtle shell, What's best is to give her positive reference experience that a masculine energy could be wholesome and good, which is why we want to continue sexual intimacy with her, to start allowing her the ability to fly again, to rejoin the dance, the flight of masculine energy and feminine in commune. That's best. But in example of Lusting Firebird, it's not best to continue sexual intimacy because it's just going to keep opening the wound. And not only opening the wound, allowing her to believe that having the wound was okay to begin with. And it's okay for her to operate with the wound. It's not. So we want to, we want to make sure that we make those best decisions, but we're never, we're never conveying to a woman that, that she's a broken bird, that she needs fixing. We're never conveying to her that she's going to be abandoned. Right? Now, she may interpret. She, you can't control her 50. She may interpret you saying, we can't continue sexual intimacy. And she may interpret that as abandonment. But it's very hard to if you affirm to her, but I'll always be here for you. I don't want to continue the sexual intimacy because of X, Y, and Z, what we've discussed, because it's just going to lead to more pain. But, you know, you want to talk? You want to come out? You want a green tea and chill? You want to moon and sand with me? We'll do it. We'll do it. Right? And, that's where, uh, and that's where you give a chance, a woman a chance to repair. That's where you give a woman a chance to, to grow. That's where you give her a chance to to fly right and to fly again. Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys are too quick, too quick to trash, too quick to abandon. You know, it's, and we're just talking about this specific example. Are there situations which that you do need to fully separate from someone with Losting Firebird or Ice Turtle Shell? Absolutely. When would that be? When would that be? When would be, there be a prime time and it would actually be the best thing to fully separate? I'm just going to keep that pause there for a second. 
I'm now just going to address some of the chat. Some of you might be able to answer that question. Um, okay, we've got a few people up in the chat here. Carl, Tom- Carl I, I've, for some reason, I think I said Carl Thompson before. It's Carl Thorsten. Uh, are you Norwegian, my friend? You Scandinavian of some kind? Swedish? Swedish or Norwegian? He then comes and saying, Roger that. I don't get off by tying women down. Dot, dot, dot. She suggested it. Dot, dot, dot. We never tried it again. Thank God. <laughs> no worries, Carl. Good, th- good that you know yourself. Good. Distract on coming and saying, pre-context. Got it. I'd say it like a curious tonality, by the way. Very good. But like the way she can tell I'm not judging. Very good. T. Frank could come in saying, let her know that you appreciate her, but that you don't feel as if your recent sexual experience with her will be sustainable long-term. So maybe ask her about her turn-ons and turn-offs. This is all what we were talking about before. And what was the cause behind these turn-offs and turn-ons? Yeah, good, good questions to ask for sure. As long as they're all underpinned with no judgment. And just, I just want to know. I just want to understand. Carl coming in saying, sexual assault causes PTSD, which most likely goes untreated, elements of the attack, use of violence, and shame. It really must be a super traumatic experience for anyone, let alone a 14-year-old. By the way, I've never heard the term lusting firebird. What is the origin of the term? Thanks. Uh, so it's an original term of mine, Carl. Uh, you obviously haven't been here since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, so it originated as, well, I've already discussed it. But lusting firebird, well, you must have really only just joined in recently because you've got Ice Turtle Shell. He must not even been here for the Ice Turtle Shell. Uh, Lusting Firebird is just my analogy for overacceptance mentality. But you have to just go back to the beginning of the podcast. I'm not going to reiterate it now because you've obviously just joined in late. But it's an original concept. Just know that you can. I I described the entire history of it at the beginning of this podcast. So let's move on from this. The final question that I asked you guys was: What was a prime example of when you do actually need to fully separate? When that would be the best case scenario? The time in which that it becomes abusive towards you. So if a woman can't, there is, a, there is the potential that a woman would abuse your loving kindness and your extreme empathy. This definitely happens. Doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely can happen. The time that you need to fully extricate yourself from the situation is if she starts to abuse that and in the ice turtle shell or lusting firebird actually it doesn't really matter they kind of it kind of comes in the same way she can abuse that trust she can abuse that uh that space in which that she uses that space to actually not repair or to actually further grow herself but she uses it to keep herself where she is so this is why i'm not a fan of mental masturbation of people that, of particular types of psychotherapy that do not bring about a direct action that gets you to actually change. I am not a fan of any psychotherapy that is just a, let's just talk it out for the sake of talking it out. Yeah, it's, I am not a fan of that at all. For me, and what I've seen with my clients that I've dealt with extreme uh, psychosomatic afflictions to do with limiting beliefs well beyond just dating but uh self-worth self-value all these different things purpose in life these things go much deeper than just dating things that affect people's entire lives the work that i've done with them always results in action always results in having changed something do something about it no i never none of my coaching sessions are ever just "Mm, so tell me how you're feeling today 
You know, so tell me how you feel today. Let's just talk it out. Never like that. Yet some clients come with that mentality. They they think that's what they want. They think they just want to have someone who would just listen to them and just enable their non-changing. Some people do that. Like I'm sure you got friends like that that love to just complain about their situation yet do nothing about it. So if a situation, and this is just the final wrap up, if a woman, uh, when you say to a woman, okay, especially lusting firebird, let's not um, let's not do this, but I'll always be here for you. And but you notice that she calls upon you, not because she wants feedback or ability to reflect on how she's changing. So it's like a it's a healthy mentality in which that you're coming together, but she's using it because she sees you as an ability to fool herself into thinking that she is changing just by talking. You can sense this. You can sense this in people that think that just talk, they're just talking about talking. That's how you know it is. That is a that is a clear signal to me that actually this is not best. Now actually I need a fully separate from you. And this principle actually applies well beyond just the sexual abuse thing. This applies to anyone who tries to fool themselves into thinking that more talking fixes the issue. So that's pretty much the main example. There are probably other nuances, but the main one, uh, if you is just if a woman is just talking about talking. But hopefully, if you've given her the impression that actually no, I'm here for you because I want to be, I want to be present in your life as you change yourself. Hopefully, you know as long as you set the frame strong enough, that'll give you clear reason to have to tell her actually we can't do this at all, or this is still healthy. But if you never set that frame, that's not her fault if she just talks about talking. You have to make sure you set the frame hard, which is that if we're going to meet up, it's because we're here to change. I'm not just here to talk about shit. Okay. So there's uh, one story that I wanted to mention. Uh, although what, there's one final part of this podcast we're going to get to, which is the long play. The long play of sexual abuse uh, which I mentioned at the beginning that I was going to meet as a guy that I met on the past weekend who's dealing with this right now. Much older gentleman. So we're going to get to that now. This is just some of you in the chat. Uh, T. Frank come in saying, I believe that it would be best to terminate things if she becomes toxic to the point where she tries to mentally abuse you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, T. Frank. That goes without saying. If she, if she tries to mentally abuse you, uh, definitely, definitely exit that situation. But um, that's not how it's going to manifest. Most of the time, it's going to manifest as her seeing you as a crutch. She tries to treat you as the one who's going to change her. You know, uh, I was talking to a woman the other day who was kind of entering that mode. And I pulled her up on it straight away. I'm just like, hey, I'm not your crutch. I'm not your crutch. Don't talk to me like this. In case she goes, oh, shit. <laughs> she gets it. Um, but people fall into it unconsciously. But definitely, to T. Frank's point, if someone's meant, like, directly mentally abusing you, definitely can leave that situation. Okay, Distracon says, I agree, but I don't like agreeing with BS. I call it out. There's some things I don't have the patience for. Situations like this are different, though. Yeah, you don't need to agree with bullshit. Definitely call it out. Um, Carl says, that's exactly what happened with this relationship. She was abusive, not physically, but she's very assertive. I've noticed aggression towards others, e.g. she spoke about sucker punching toxic men. Jesus. Jesus. That is, that, that's like exactly what Terrence was just uh, talking about. T-Frank was just talking about. Definitely leave that situation. Right? Definitely don't want to be involved in that situation. 
yeah, we don't talk about it enough because it's because of the state of society. But men definitely undergo sexual abuse. Definitely, definitely does not get talked about. That's a real, that's a real demon amongst men. Not something that I've dealt with uh, personally, but typically guys that are of a softer shell makeup of guys that are very kind-hearted and very gentle by nature have a lot of feminine energy by nature. Not a lot of uh, ratio that stems more towards masculine energy. But you got masculine beings that have a lot of feminine energy, not very assertive themselves, often find themselves paired with very assertive females. That can definitely fall into an abusive relationship for sure. Have seen that. Not me personally, but have seen that with friends and uh, clients. I've had a lot of clients actually that are very soft shell crabs, like of that nature. And uh, it's very hard for them to say no. It's very hard for them to say to a girl that I don't like this. Quite a nuance there, actually. Quite a nuance. Quite a nuance. So, my friends, there's one story I need to tell here at the end, which is going to take us the full play. It's going to make this a fully formed podcast, which is what this looks like long-term. What the psychological effects of sexual abuse look like long-term. So, I'm not going to say where I was. I'm not going to say who I was. But I was speaking with an older gentleman and uh, a guy that's got a got a real nice way of thinking about the world. We definitely vibe on the Spartan, Samurai, and uh, Viking mentalities. All three of them. And... We're both well studied in this area and here, those areas. And he's a lot older than me. He's he's almost 20 years older than me. I think he's mid-40s, mid to late 40s. And he was saying that he just got together with a new woman. He's got a new girlfriend and she, she, uh, she does too much. She does too much. She's from he, – he is of – European, I can say this. He's because I won't say their names. He's of European descent. She is of Asian descent, Southeast Asian descent, and she has come from an extremely abusive marriage. Extremely abusive. She had kids with the previous partner, but the previous partner was a really bad guy. Like physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse, all three, and just. Pretty, pretty destructive stuff. Pretty, pretty horrific stuff. Not only towards her, but towards uh, her child as well. To the point where her child now has uh, actual diagnosed personality disorder and has to go uh, regularly to be analysed uh, psycho- psychologically, and has to be helped in that regard. So, that's that's the woman that he's currently with. Now, she absolutely loves him. She forks out ridiculous amounts of money, uh, spends money on him. It's like paying for ridiculous dinners, doing all these extravagant things with him. Uh, you know, paying paying for for rooms for them to go and have sex in, and when they were first meeting, etc. And you know, just doing too much. You know, showing, overextending herself, overextending herself. That was at the beginning of their relationship, and now. Now showing signs of wanting that deep commitment uh, from him and wanting him to, to always be there. 
What is this giving you guys signs of? What is this giving you guys signs of? Just interesting, popping that question for those of you who have been here in the chat. Anyways, continuing on. So, I must mention here, the previous partner that she had been physically abused by and sexually abused by is now dead. I'm not sure how he died, but it was roughly eight years ago, I believe was the number. Whether that was when he died or whether that was when they were in the relationship, I'm not entirely sure on. But anyways, we're looking at that time frame. So it's been about eight years since then, since uh, this his new girlfriend and her son got out of that extremely abusive relationship with that guy. He's dead now. However, she wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, holding her throat, gasping for air. The trauma that she experienced from that previous abusive relationship stays with her today in her subconscious, deep, deep within her subconscious, not only manifesting in nightmares and when waking up with that, but also in her behavior with him in which that she's like, you don't leave me. Don't leave me. This is, this is her vibe. This is her, the, the word that she says to him. You better not leave me. You can't leave me. Don't leave me. Go stay with us. You know, it's, and that if he even interacts with another woman or interacts with someone else, she gets extremely jealous, gets extremely like, you're going to leave me. You're going to let us go. You're not going to be there for us. He's like, hey, babe, you know, I was, I was, she was just my friend or, you know, I was just meeting up with friends. You know, like nothing, nothing of ill intent. And so she's not only trying to do, every, spending every dollar to show her, show him, that's her way of showing him that she really values him and that she loves him, but also making sure that there's no chance of him getting taken away from someone else. So, you know, we're getting a big vacuum effect here. We're getting a tremendous vacuum effect here in which that she found new light. She found new light in this new guy. And he's a really strong dude as well. Very strong masculine energy. And um, and he's saying to me that he's like, there's a lot of red flags here, Adam. It's funny. We've never had this discussion before. But uh, he actually used the term red flags. He's like, she's showing me a lot of red flags here. And, and I'm not sure if I could, you know, it's early signs. You know, it's still very early in our relationship. I'm not sure what I should be doing here. And, and he's just like, but, but in, he has not, we're not friends, you know. Like we don't have these discussions. We certainly have not talked about this before. And his best way of dealing with it that he said to me was, so I tell her, he's like, no, you've got to forget about him. You've got to forget about him. You're having these nightmares. And this is the way he's saying it. You're having these nightmares. You're, you're, being, you're, you're spending too much on me. You're being too attached to me. You've got to, you've got to let go. You've got to forget about him. Otherwise, we can't. It's like, because then you're not honoring me. You're not, you're not treating me as new. Like, you're almost treating me in a way as him. Like you're, you're, you're treating me as a result of what happened with him. You're not treating me as I'm new. And... And as I'm listening to him, of course, it's not my pl- I'm not his coach. And even if I was his coach, I would not be telling him to about the flaws in his mentalities. I would be helping him to find it himself. But as you can see, he's very much like some of you in the chat at the beginning of this chat. 
you know, he's he's entering the male mind of trying to tell her what to do and how to fix herself. Which does it surprise you guys now that she doesn't and hasn't? Because she can only fix herself by fixing herself. She will only find the light by being able to see the light herself. So in his attempts to tell her, you've got to forget about him, you've got to forget about him, that's only going to remind her more. That's only going to keep those deep seeds subconsciously within. The reason why I wanted to bring this story was that it's just beautiful that it happened just last weekend, literally last Friday, last Friday, so like three, four days ago. And it's amazing because I already knew I was going to be doing this topic and it just shows you the psychological effects of sexual abuse, of abuse in general, is that deep seeds, deep seeds. You know, this, this guy is like, he's out of, his, out of their lives, he's dead, but the abuse that he caused, now the son is personality disorder, whatever that means, like, of course, that, of course, can stem many different ways. Uh, he didn't, the guy in the actual story didn't tell me what his personality disorders manifest as. But he has to get psychological help because of it. So not only did the, the psychological abuse, the physical abuse that this previous guy inflict on her, he inflicted on the son, which now the son carries into his life. And that the woman now with a new man, with a new man is uh, waking up with nightmares, gasping for air, holding her neck. You know, it's, I know I don't need to say this lesson to you guys. Like I know you, none of you guys are like this. None of you... I can imagine, at least for my hardcores that I know face-to-face that are in the World Bowl, uh, and I'd hope that none of my followers are of the abusive type, but if you didn't already know, like this stuff, the trauma stays with people for a long time. Uh, I, I, I can't relate on the physical abuse. I've never been physically abused. I've never been physically abused directly. Uh, I've only experienced PTSD on one level. And I've never even spoken about this on the podcast before. But it's the only point of relation I have. So when I was, it's not sexual abuse at all, but it was a psychological abuse of a certain kind. So when I was, how old was I? I was in year 10. So I was 16 years old. This is when I was 16 years old. This is when my mom was with my previous stepfather. Uh, shout out to Andrew. Great guy, great guy. They had a great relationship together. And uh, we lived in a very, very upper-class, well-off area in the eastern suburbs of Adelaide at the time. And we had a great house, and it was in a very well... The reason why I tell you that we're in an upper-class area because it makes sense what's about to happen next. So one afternoon, my brother... Normally, my brother and I would make our way home from high school. I'm in year 10. I would either catch the bus or ride our bikes home. But at this particular time... Just so it happened, my brother was away on snow trip. And uh, for those in Adelaide, it's a, con- it's a common thing in Adelaide that all oh, Adelaide high schools in year 10, year 11, they go on a week snow trip. So you go away for a week, you go to the mountains. For those that didn't know, yes, it snows here in Australia. You go to Mount Hotham or you go to Mount Buller. And so my brother was away on snow trip. And so I was making my way home on my own, which is not, not normal. And it was one afternoon. It was an afternoon just like this, actually. Well, it's, yeah, afternoon just like this. It was sunny. It was warm. Everything seemed normal. When you got up, my house was kind of like on the peak of a street, top of the street, top of an incline. And the driveway was sunken. So it was on a quite steep decline. So you walk down the driveway. 
And the driveway was quite, quite far to the right. Maybe I have discussed this on the podcast, but it was a long time ago anyway. And so the driveway was on the far right and the front door of the house is a two-story house. Front door is on the far left. But I would never go in through the front door. You always go through the driveway side door, which is connected to the kitchen because my bedroom was closest down that end. And all the, my bedroom, my brother's bedroom were down the far right and far end. Far end. So, you know, it's like 3.30 p.m., three, something like that, four o'clock, going down the driveway. Everything seems to be fine. I walk down the driveway, go inside, open up the front, the side door, go through the kitchen. I actually do a whole bunch of food prep. Uh, I cut up like a, a steak and some broccoli and whatnot. And, and I, we had two dogs at the time. I'm just trying to remember the specific. They're no longer with us. Yeah. And and at the time, I didn't notice it at the time. There was nothing wrong. Everything's fine. The house is kind of separated between bedrooms on the far right, living room in the middle, and then study gaming room on the far left, which is where the front door is, and then upstairs and the stairs go up there. So my side of the house where I was is pretty isolated. Like the, the doors are shut and it's pretty isolated. And so... I'm doing my share. I, I go back down to my, my bedroom. There's nothing wrong down there and do some food prep. I'm in the house for about half an hour before I open up the living room and then go to uh, go to the gaming room, which is on the far left. Now, as I walk through the gaming room, what I notice is that the bottom half of the front door is completely smashed, like just obliterated, wooden pieces everywhere. And looking through to it, because I'm on the side, I'm like I'm on the side looking through to this. I look into the gaming room, and everything is just everywhere, like torn apart, just books and t- and the, and just everything just kind of turned up on the side. And I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, someone's broken into our house. And I have I'm 16 at the time. I'm home alone. I have no idea if they're still upstairs. And so at that time. Uh, I just, I remember I froze in my tracks. I'm like, holy shit, I just got to get out. I got to get out, but I got to get the dogs first. So my priority, my dogs were just like kind of at my feet. And so I just picked them up one hand in the other and I bolted. I got, I went back out the side door. I ran up the driveway and I walked to the right, which was down the house, down the street. So I could see then, then I noticed that the front door was smashed in the bottom half, but I never look at the front door when I go in because because I never go in through the front door. And so I went directly to my neighbors who are always home. And I went in there and I'm like freaked out at the time. And I'm like, listen, someone's broken into our house. And they're just, so they call the police, they call my parents. And, but I was like, I was like half in shock, half in shock. And so we get home and my mother came home first and we go in and we inspect the house uh, together and and we go upstairs and and everything is just just completely ransacked. Took all my mother's jewelry, uh, everything upstairs is just gone. We had some we had audio equipment up there, uh, TVs, uh, PlayStation games, everything's got you know, and and everything's just like an absolute mess. All right, so crime scene investigation guys come down, police comes down. Okay, so after that time, why did I bring up the story was because of the PTSD after that, after that experience. I could never be in the house on my own for a good six months. After that experience, it just, it terrified me because of the what ifs. 
Now, I was very lucky that the guy wasn't still there when I got home or when I, if I had gone, already been home and then he tried to break in. I wasn't, I never actually saw the guy. But just the very thought of that I was in the house for half an hour, not knowing, thinking everything was fine, and then seeing that everything was not fine and that he could have potentially been upset and just going through that experience and that, uh, and that I, was, I was just there on my own. It was because I was there on my own. For the next six months, I couldn't be alone at home on my own. I just, I'd freak out. So after that point, I had continuous nightmares, continuous nightmares about break-ins, about, about people breaking in while I was at home, having to hide under my bed, having to apply re-naked chokes, having to stab people with knives, just recurring nightmares, recurring nightmares for the next year probably. For the next several years, it took me a long time to be able to just stay at home for a prolonged period of time on my own. Nowadays, I spend all, I spend all my time alone here, right? And, and when I was in high school, after several years later, I was okay. But it took me many years to overcome that, uh, that trauma. I never went to see anyone about it. I just kind of dealt with it myself. And, uh, and I don't regret that choice either. I don't regret anything in life. But, but I overcame it. The only reason why the reason why I bring this up is the lasting effects of what traumatic experiences have on people. And while it wasn't a physical or sexual abuse, it was abuse of my mind. And it was abuse of trust in which that I thought it was a trusting space that I could be safe and comfortable in, which no longer proved to be the case. And so that's what that man had inflicted upon me. Do you think he's thinking about that? Probably not. Right? Do you think that's something that keeps him up at night? Probably not. Do you think though that in the example of the Southeast Asian girl, my man, that the guy, the previous partner who had been physically and sexually abusing her and her son, he's dead now. So he can't do anything about it. But the trauma lives on in those people, right? Until they resolve it, until they recover from it, as I recovered from my own. And, and so that's why I just want to wrap up on this point in saying that, not that I think any of you are like this, but in case anyone if you ever faced in a moment in which that maybe the opportunity presented itself in any time that you feel like you're about to inflict pain upon someone else, please just remember that you are setting up a hurt locker that goes well beyond the initial experience. Now, that's all, that's all I want to say. Right? That the, the, the trauma, it's on us to do our own work to recover from it and to fly again and to fly to fly again and to fly right. And now I do fly again and now I do fly right and I don't have uh, any more trauma to do dealing with breaking enters and being on my own and whatnot. Okay? But, and the same with physical, physical and sexual abuse, uh, many of my uh, sexual partners, I was the one to finish the journey with them. That's a beautiful thing. And I'll wrap up this part of the podcast here before we do open Q&A that I said before this key thing, in your journey of social dynamics and learning to improve yourself by learning to, by receiving the feedback from others. I almost said that, I almost repeat what I was about to say. In your journey of learning about yourself in relation to others, there we go. You're going to come across women in different stages of their recovery and growth process. The recovery process is in the short term. That's in the acute. The recovery process for me of being able to stay of the breaking and enter thing, you know, that's in the first couple of weeks. That's that's just getting over shock, right? The recovery is the shock period. But the growth period 
is what happens in the long term, in the long play. And based on when you enter the woman's life, well, is she in recovery mode? Did this psychological uh, abuse just happen? There was a woman that I went on a day two with, stopped her up in the mall, had a beautiful interaction with her. We went on an instant date. On that instant date, we're sitting down there on the river and she says to me really casually, no, it was walking to the bench. She says to me really casually, she's like, you know, actually, um, I, I, I had to, uh, I had to move out just the other day because a guy was staring at me through my bathroom window, like while I was naked showering. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, he was just like this, this absolute pervert was, uh, staring at me through my bathroom window. And he, and I was like, she, like that just happened. Like it did, so she had to, she couldn't stay in her house like after that because she's like too worried about the guy. So she's now living at that time. She then went and stayed at her friend's family house. That's recovery period. So I entered her life in recovery period there because that's just her dealing with the acute shock of it. Learning to get back to real life. But there's, but then you enter, uh, that's from that traumatic experience, then you enter the recovery period at different stages. You know, maybe, what if I had met her six months later or 12 months later? I'm at a different stage in her journey. Depending on, and for the role that I played for her, I only began the journey with her of getting her to learn that actually not all masculine beings are going to abuse her, abuse her in that way, right? So I was at the beginning of that. But there are some women that I've been at the end of the journey with that other guys had helped her with. Uh, I've never, I've never been with a woman from start to end though. Uh, it's a very long journey for a lot of women. I've never been with a woman who's been through sexual abuse from start to end in terms of her recovery period. But I've been there at the end. I've been there in the middle a few times. And what I'm speaking to here is just being there. What I'm speaking to here is that it's you shouldn't be attached to having to help her see the finality of her trauma and see the finality of being able to fly again or fly right. You know, let go of you having to gain credibility for that. Let go of you having to be the one that helps her to fix her because you never could anyway. You're never the one anyway. It's going to be her in the end. No one could have helped me to, uh, to overcome my trauma of the break and enter stuff. Right, that's something I had to do on my own. Right? Would it have been helpful to have someone to talk about? Yeah, okay. But there would ne- there's nothing they would say to me that would force the light into me. It's something that just over day after day of introspecting on my own, that learning to trust again, right? learning to prepare myself again, that I overcame that. Understand the nature of life, I overcome that. And with women themselves dealing with sexual abuse, their journey to overcoming that is their journey. Your presence in that journey yeah, I think as men, we need to realize is actually of little consequence. Other than that, we provide the space for it to happen. There's nothing we do to her, for her, that gets her to fix her. We just be there. We just be there at that stage of the journey. If we need to leave, we need to separate during her journey, you need to separate. I would not prolong a relationship just because you want to be there to be the one at the end that that was there when she finally overcame her sexual abuse ice turtle shell nature or lusting firebird nature that's you know there's no glory in that 
Uh, don't don't be attached. I would not recommend being attached to that. It's very nice when you're there towards the end and you get to see a woman who had some issues, but then now has finally let go of them. Yeah, that's great. But uh, but just remember that she's got her own journey to walk, and that's where we'll wrap up the hardcore content of this particular podcast, which has been absolutely tremendous. Now we'll get to open Q and A. So if you guys, I've got about eh, let's say anywhere between ten to fifteen minutes for open Q and A. Basically, now, if there are any questions you guys have completely unrelated to this topic or still related to this topic, but maybe something I didn't address and you want to know more about, you can chuck those questions in the chat box right now and uh, we'll address them. If you want to use the super chat option, which is a donation that goes back to the channel, helps supporting everything that goes on here, that's most appreciated and that gets your question bumped to the top. I'll address it first and go deeper into it. I don't normally get a sore throat even after four hours of doing a podcast. But I was at a I was at a chanting session last night, uh, yesterday. Shout out to Shrey from Breathe in Peace. I was at a group chanting session. There was like 25, 30 people there and we're doing all these chants. And uh, that was like a two-hour session, so my throat's a little bit sore today. It's just going those on. Okay, so let me just address some of you guys in the chat. Distracon says, same samurai mentality is dope. It's good. It is. You know what's really interesting about the samurai mentality, Distracon, is how love is not mentioned in any of it. Yet, all of the items together refer to love. If you put them all together. If you look at the Bushido code. It's interesting. Um, I didn't even realize that until just last Friday when I was discussing this with um, the guy. The guy I was talking about in that story. He's like, hey, Adam, you know, when do samurais ever talk about love? And I'm like, yeah, not very often. And he goes, but do they? He's like, when you look at respect, honor, and all these things, like, hmm, isn't that their love? And I'm like, hmm, we had a good conversation. Good conversation. As Katsumoto once said. So uh, moving down here. Carl had come and saying, the Southeast Asian girlfriend sounds like she's needy, looking to fill that exact hole as if it was a puzzle piece. Horrible. She misses the pain. Definitely. She's in that vacuum mentality. She's in that vacuum. Very similar to Lusting Firebird. Hey. Very similar vacuum mentality. Versus the, that, that's, that's the separating between Ice Turtle. Ice Turtle is Broken Bird mentality. Lusting Firebird is vacuum mentality. Suck. Suck it in. Get as much as you can. Uh, Carl then comes, uh, T Frank had said, oh, see the harm the mindset can do. Carl comes saying, Asian girl sounds like a former relationship of mine. She turned out to be bipolar. Yeah. Go from state of elation, talking about depression. Yeah. She kicked over. So she... You got a restraining order. Okay. I will, I will read that comment. Uh, Carl said that the Southeast Asian girl sounds like a former relationship of his. She turned out to be bipolar, would go from state of elation to hundred percent depression. She flying sidekicked me. <laughs> I got a restraining order. Game over. Jesus Christ. That is aggressive. That is regressive. And you would need a restraining order for that. That's intense. I wonder why you're attracting these type of women, Carl. What is it within you? That's what I would, if you were one of my clients, that's the question I'd be asking you. Is that, because you've mentioned two different girls here that have very interesting psychological makeups. So I would look out for you. What is it within you that is desiring these women? Because if this is a pattern for you, 
there's something within you that's asking for it. So I would look at that. Siddharth Nambiar comes and saying, Hey boys, dropped in to give my attendance. It's a little early here for a heavy topic like this. We'll join in a little while later. That's a great nuance, Siddharth. One, I thank you for being here. Two, I like that you have honored the depth of the topic. Yeah, it is a little early for some people. Like not only in the day, but in their lives. So that's why I went really deep in this because you might need to revisit this. I know my 19-year-old version of myself would not get a lot of what was discussed here. You get the general principles, but it's like the Tao Te Ching or the art of war. At different stages of your life, texts, key formative texts like Tao Te Ching or the art of war, Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, art of war by Sun Tzu, at different stages of your life, those two texts will mean different things. When I first read The Art of War, I thought it was in a general instruction on the strategy of war. That was when I was like 18. When I reread it just recently, uh, it made it a completely different book. It's a different book at 27 than it is at 19. Same as the data chain. And same as these podcasts. These podcasts will mean different things to you at different ages. So it's, I love that, Siddharth. Great, great mention there. Uh, ben Hyatt came in then saying, that's some serious shit, Adam. Oh, that was in reference to the uh, the break and enter PTSD stuff. I never had anything like that, but when I used to stay at my grandparents' cabin, I would always have the same creepy dream. Totally unrelated, but I thought that popped up. What's the best haunted house you've been in, Adam? <laughs> I went to a killer one in an abandoned correctional facility last night. That's intense. Uh, I can't say I've ever been to a best haunted house. I can't even say I've ever been to a haunted house. Ben, Australians are not like US. We don't give a fuck about Halloween. We give zero fucks about Halloween. The only practice of Halloween you get down here is just the bitty night. Halloween night is just a slut fest down in Australia. That's all we use it for. It's just an excuse for girls to dress down and to get loose. That is what it has always been here. Like, you have to go to specific suburbs to find actual trick-or-treating. Like, it's not a pervasive thing. You don't see every house with decorations for Halloween and trick-or-treaters. Like, only in very specific suburbs where it's like a really tight community and you've got a lot of young kids, they might do it. But no, Halloween in Australia is a chance for girls to just dress 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 real down, dress real fresh and to get fucking loose and just to get wasted. That that's that's what Halloween is in Australia. We couldn't give a shit about like all the pumpkins and the and all the traditions this the haunted houses there. Like if but to answer actually answer your question, the hauntiest thing I've ever been in is a is a mental institution. A mental institution known as Glenside in uh Burnside. Near, down near um the the Glenside Mental Ward, whatever it is, you can actually go into, you can get tours there, and they show where they've kept the the rooms that mental patients were in, like as they were, and you can see the scratch marks on the walls, like where people were fucking going nuts in these rooms. Like that's probably the scariest thing I've ever been in. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, moving on from that. Uh, nice, Max says, finally got to go off to work. Thanks for being here, Smack. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. And then, oh, we have got a super chat up in here. Our first super chat from T, aka, initial T, aka, Takumi, 
says it does drops an Australian five dollars with an emoji animation of three potato men appearing in the water. I like that. I like that. Thank you very much, T. I appreciate uh, the super chat. And now, of course, if T has a question, it will get bumped to the top, and I'll go much deeper on it. We've only got about yeah. We'll go. I, I give as much time as I need to for super chats. But if there's any other quality chat, quality questions after that, we'll see. We'll see. Super chats always come first. So, so T says, oh, thanks for the sesh. Thank you, T. Most appreciate that. That super chat is highly appreciated. Supporting this channel. Yes, sir. He goes, wondering, oh, wondering if you could briefly touch on why guys get aggro slash abusive. If you haven't already, I might have missed it. No, I haven't. I know, and you mentioned that before, though. So, yes, I will, do, I will definitely get that now for you. Okay, so why guys get aggro slash abusive? Okay, so if we look at the initial story, the initial story that we mentioned on this podcast of the Tinder rape uh, that we mentioned right at the beginning, the guy, Mr. Hartland, 44 years old, raped three women through Tinder. One of them committed suicide as a result. Something interesting about that story too that they mentioned, I love that the author mentioned it, that it was actually the judge that mentioned it, was in reference of the judge's perspective, that Mr. Hartland had been abandoned by his mother at a young age. Conditioned behavior, T, definitely plays into aggressive and abuse, aggression and abuse. What do you know? What's normal? How is your frame of reality being set? In the same way that a lusting firebird becomes the way the lusting firebird becomes. How do we know this? Trickle-down effect. Reconditioned patterns. This is the behavior I come to expect. If a child, but I said, no baby comes out of the womb predisposed to raping people. No baby comes out of the womb predisposed to being abusive and aggressive. Okay, there has been like a few nuanced examples of devil babies. Don't get into the nuance of that. We're talking about generally speaking. Yes, there are some babies that have some particularly high levels of uh, testosterone and, and lack of dopamine and lack of... They're actually parts of their brain that allow for the filtration of empathy don't exist in their brains. Known as devil babies. Yes, I, I, I understand that that's a thing, but it's not a regular thing. It's not a... It's not... You won't go down to the, my local hospital and see devil babies being popped out. So don't, don't get me on the nuance of that. <laughs> but if we look at regular babies, T, how do regular babies become who they are? How do we learn language, T? How do we learn language? What's the best way to learn language? Go back to when you're a baby and just listen. Just listen. Babies pick up language well before they read a textbook. Patterns, behavior. How did their parents speak to them? What did their parents speak to them? What did their parents feed them? What did their parents expose them to? What level were their parents even there? With that guy, with the Heartland rapist, 44 years old, abandoned by his mother. So he got a very intense education in what it means to be loved at a very young age. He's the very vessel that allowed for his inception left him. He, you know, people like to think that 
children are theirs. Okay, if that's your current level of perception of life, I'm not going to argue with you. But I would offer you that maybe children don't come from you, but they come through you as we are all one. And that as a parent, as a mother, you are a sacred vessel. You are a vessel in which that a new manifestation can, can come through. And there's definitely something special between that bond, that mother to son, that mother to daughter, mother to child bond. Because the mother to child bond is representative of our bond in life, of our bond to the earth, of our bond to the universe itself. It's we are the mother, as I described in my eternal energies guided meditations, that our nature of life is that of the mother and child experiencing each other at the same time. We are both the mother and child at once. That's our relationship with this universe. We are not only the universe, but a product of it, experiencing itself all in one moment. If you can understand this now in macro, bring that down to the micro. I don't want to lose you too quickly. Bring that down to the micro now. If the very vessel and representation of all of life leaves you at the beginning, what does that say for your perception of life itself? of love, of what you expect to receive in the future, of how you should treat others. Well, isn't it normal? The the very vessel that brought me to inception left me, so extremely devoid of love, extremely devoid of compassion, kindness, empathy, none of these things installed. The ability to, most men, I tell you, I don't think a lot of guys realize this, or at least they don't think about this, that most guys receive their formative education on how to interact with feminine beings from their mother, not from their first girlfriends, not from their first, the first girl they sat next to down in year one or in prep. No, from their mother. That's your first direct relation to the feminine energy. So how you come to then treat other feminine energies can be preloaded and is preloaded, not can be, is preloaded by your relationship with your mother. When I look at a lot of my clients, especially bootcamp clients, a lot of them, you got to think about what are the type of guys that come to take bootcamp with me that have problems specifically in their dating lives and need to improve their social dynamics? Well, they have issues with relating to feminine energy. It's not natural to them. They don't know what it means to be naturally direct, congruent, authentic. They don't know what it means to be trusting and empathetic. They don't know what it means to allow their sexual energy to flow, not only physically, but more so emotionally, more so psychologically. A lot of blocks there. So I often look into their relationship with their mothers. I just want to know. Not just because um, I, I think that's a good thing to psychologically do, but because, and it's an interesting thing to know, but because who is their first relationship with of the feminine? Their mother. A lot of guys that I have worked with have very interesting relationships with their mothers. Not necessarily abandoned, all of them. I have had, I've had some clients that have been abandoned by their mothers. It's just, and I'm not going to go too deep into the, to blind or to mix the lines of correlation and causation, but it has, it is a regular thing. However you want to chalk it up, that guys that have issues with their mothers guys that have issues with their mothers tend to have issues with feminine beings in general. Uh, my mother right now uh, was telling me just the other, a couple of days ago 
about a guy that she had, uh, she regularly tells me about various experiences, not only in the past. My love has had a very, we'll say, illustrious romantic uh, journey. And she tells me about guys her age. She was on a she was on a date with a guy the other day, and just appalling, appalling. So self focused. Uh, he had no idea. His social dynamics were so bad. He was just asking really, really stupid questions. He was uh, really self centered, really self focused. And yeah, you know, she was just. At one point, she just started laughing at him during the date. Actually, <laughs> she was telling me, and and I would like to know about his relationship with his mother for sure. Uh, but anyways, I don't want to go. We're bringing this back right here because the abuse and aggression. T was just asking about how guys become abuse, aggressive and abusive uh, towards females. A lot of the times you can look at and towards this rapist, there you want to look at their relationship with their mothers and what that set up for their pre-programming to how that they will interrelate with women. Now, it's not to say that all men with problems with their mothers are going to be led to abuse and uh, aggression towards females, but it definitely sets up the breeding grounds and the foundations through which further experiences could reaffirm that. You know, maybe then I'll give you one right here, T. Let's have a look at incels. I wonder what the statistic is on guys who follow the incel mentality that then become abusive and sexually aggra- sexually abusive towards women. Uh, guys that are part of that that mentality in which that they feel like, because if you don't know what incel is, in, involuntary celibate. Basically, they feel like the world's against them and they're not celibate by choice. That you know, women are these uh, these these combatants. Uh, women, women have designated that they're not worthy, and so they'll never have sex. They'll have a sexual intimacy, and it goes very deep. But I, it's interesting that guys that have had poor formative social experiences with women that would lead them to becoming an incel, that would lead them to becoming that type of guy, trickle down experiences. Conditioned behavior. No guy just wakes up one day and decides, ah, I'm going to go out and rape someone. Ah, I'm going to go and beat the shit out of someone. No one just wakes up one day and does that. That is the result when you see that happening as a result of some heavy, heavy pattern behavior that has just been repetitious and whether they reached a breaking point, that's one thing. It can happen in an acute moment where they just lose control of their minds and they just reach a breaking point. You know, you see this, uh, there are sometimes, that's an acute response, but they can be chronic as well too, in which that it's just the accumulation across days, across weeks, across years of your life, in which that a lot of guys that do become sexually abusive towards women, it's very common when you look at the cases. And I did, I did legal in both year 11 and year 12. So I did look at a lot of this and it's very common in these stories of sexual abuse that, that they had a lifetime of social outcastry, social outcastry, a lifetime of it, which that they were never accepted. They were always the kids that uh, they were never part included. They were, they were always the ones that were bullied. They were the ones that were, that's the best word, outcasts, that they were cast out of social acceptance. So when you look at, and it never excuses, I'm never excusing that their behavior that then they chose to do it's never an excuse it's just an understanding and enlightenment which then as the Dalai Lama would have us instruct on would help us to provide a little compassion for it all right 
Now, of course, we need to do right by the action, but we can understand it. I think it's on us to understand where the action came from. When you look at the uh, many, many serial killers and you look at those cases in particular, you can always go back into their formative development and find big, big red flags. No babies wake up looking to commit 45 serial killings. No, there there are very few devil babies. Very few. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing how I look at for those who are want a little enlightenment into into Aboriginal culture down here in Australia. Uh, for, I know a lot of you in the US, and you probably don't know much about Australian culture and Aboriginal culture particularly. But I'll say this right now: the general the general vibe towards aboriginal people in australia is not good it's it's not favorable yeah when when you walk down rundle mall you walk down uh burke street mall and you come and the average interpretation the average representation i should say of an aboriginal person is to be on guard it's it's to be wary it's to be make sure you mind your p's and q's don't don't look them in the eye too long don't do anything aggressive towards them because they might be aggressive towards me. Why is this? Where did this come from? Because all we see in the Australian news is Aboriginal people getting into fights, the drug and alcohol abuse that Aboriginals are known for, and that's that's all builds into the, the collective society-based mind, uh, not just drug and alcohol abuse, but also domestic abuse that occurs within Aboriginal families. I did a lot of study in when I was at uni in anthropology, I did anthropology, and I did a lot of work in uh, Aboriginal communities, and and so I, I know I know quite a bit about this. But the general, what I'm getting at here is that are all Aboriginal people like this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yet it is still a generalization that holds a lot of weight and a lot of truth. And when I look at Aboriginal kids, I go, do they ever have a chance? In the same way that I look at people that commit uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, did they ever have a chance from the beginning? When you look at when I look when I looked at when I look at particular Aboriginal kids right now, that what are their parents teaching them? What are their parents showing them? You can always find these holes in in every form of 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 a straying from the light. You can always look at where who took them into the darkness. Of course, this is not to excuse their behavior. They are responsible for whether they continue to pers- persist that that behavior. But you can see where it comes from. This and that's what T's question was: what, Why do guys? He said, "Why do guys get aggro and abusive?" We got into some very. We got into mainly the patterning behavior. That's what I'm most interested in psychologically. But I will also say this to you, T: The raping occurred in the Heartland story when the women tried to break up with him. A lot, of women, a lot of men could not handle the ability of a woman saying to them, you are not, in their interpretation, you are not worthy. If a woman in any way, shape or form conveys to a man, you're not worthy, a lot of men can interpret that as an affliction to their ego. And for those that are predisposed to aggression and to abuse, that can just be a trigger point for them. It could be a trigger point. Everyone has their trigger point. You know what my trigger point is? When I don't know something. <laughs> You know what my trigger point is, T? When I don't know something. If you 
if you can hit me on a topic that I think I know something about and you show me something I don't know about, that triggers me. <laughs> and I'm just giving you a comical example. Like I know this within me. This is part of the – for those uh, that don't follow the Eternal Energy channel, I put out a podcast last Friday called How to Harness Your Ego for Meaningful Work. Top notch, top class. Like It's, it's one of my f- – favorite podcast i've ever done including the bowl stuff like it's just a full account of the paradox of life the ultimate paradox of life of how to manage having an ego also knowing your true reality and how to harness your ego for meaningful work it's a real piece of content you want to go watch trust me and uh why did i bring that up harness oh the ego right i know this about my ego about adam's ego which is that adam doesn't like to get triggered on things that he doesn't know about when he thinks he knows about them everyone's got their trigger point you know, and so I know that about me, so I can, I have to catch myself and rein my ego in regularly on that if it ever happens. Um, so trigger points happen for everyone. When a woman leaves a man, sure, he can use that as a trigger point, absolutely. When a woman, not to say even when a woman does this, but just when a woman shows that. For a lot of guys, if a woman looks at another guy, that's a trigger point. And the slab comes in. How about, how about this, my friend? How about this, T? This will give you some real world and we'll move on from it after this. When I was coaching boot camp in New York last year, I was in, I was at the end of like, oh no, I think it was like halfway through day one. Was this, was this B's boot camp? Whose boot camp was this? I think it was B's. B, if you're listening to this, I think it was your boot camp, uh, which was the first one of that particular run in New York. So I was, it was like beautiful, beautiful weather, tons of energy. Uh, so it was a Friday afternoon. We're there in Union Square and there's absolute tea, beautiful Asian girl. I go up and I approach her. I'm demonstrating for B and we're having a great interaction, yet she's a little bit shy, like a little too shy. And so, of course, I call it out and I go, listen, I noticed you're, you don't seem to really be feeling this. You seem to be really shy, but I'm not really sure. So is there anything wrong? Is there anything going on here? Um, and she goes, oh, it's, it's actually just... I'm actually here on a date. I'm actually here with my boyfriend. and But she was happy to take... We're already in... Um, we're deep into qualification at this point. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm like, where is he? And she's like, oh, that's him over there. And he's like literally walking towards us, her boyfriend. And and he comes up and he's this, he's an Asian guy and uh, New York type Asian guy. And he comes up and he's like, oh, what's going on here? And off the bat, he's already not happy. And I'm just like, oh, listen, I'll be 100% honest with you. I saw your girlfriend here and I thought she was absolutely beautiful. I had to come say, hey, I obviously didn't know that you two were together. My name's Adam. And I put my hand out to shake it. He barely shook it, but he's like this. This is his his facial response. He's like, he's like, okay. He's like, okay. He's like super skeptical, but he's like also borderline aggressive. He's like, "Uh, okay. And I'm like, so, yep. I'm like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm going to leave now. But I hope you guys have a great day. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And he's like, you could tell he was visually, energetically disturbed. And and I'd be nothing but respectful and up enough from direct. By the way, guys, for those who are learning the skill of meeting someone in the day, that is rare. Most of the time, if a boyfriend walks in on the interaction and you front up by saying exactly what happened, they are normally flattered. They normally go, oh, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you for being real about it. And they feel chuffed. 
they feel like they're real. They feel like a real chief because they're like, oh, another guy thought my girlfriend was hot, which must mean that I'm cool. You know, and they, they get chuffed about it. That's the normal response, which is still not healthy. But his, this guy's response is the least healthy. He's like actually getting like angry, but not so much angry at me, angry at her, which is why I brought it up. Because T, we were talking about why guys might get angry if and abusive. If their girl even hints at being inter- interested in another guy, uh, guys will lay the smack down. That's a really common, actually, example of guys getting aggressive is when their woman starts to show signs of infidelity. Infidelity. And it's extremely unhealthy. So we could go for days. Those are some key concepts. But I think the most important one is looking at what led them to become that way. That's the most interesting one. So... We then have a new another super chat. Thank you very much for that, T. Thank you for the super chat. We then have another super chat coming in with Ben Highland with the five dollars US with with uh Shiba Inu, also known as a what? no, it's, I think that's actually a fox. It could be a Shiba Inu. I don't know. Uh, which is a Japanese dog, Japanese fighting dog actually, used to fight bears and uh, very aggressive dogs. If you're not, if they don't like you. And it's a dog that is just delivering delivering a a straight left followed by a straight right. Just a constant one-two. I don't mind that at all. Practicing some karate. Thank you very much for that super chat, Ben. $5. Really appreciate it. Helps me with the channel. You've been great throughout this entire session as well. Just chopping it up, getting in here. Thank you very much. Uh, do you have a specific question, Ben? Ben? Hey ben, do you have a specific question or are you just showing the love? He then dropped a Halloween emoji. <laughs> uh, I don't see any specific questions. He then said, Adam, those are hippos, not potato men. No, they're not, Ben. No, they're not. They, they, are, hip- they are potato men. They're definitely not hippos. Uh, he's referring to, to T's super chat. So, Ben, if you have a specific question you want me to address, because we're going on past four hours here, uh, I'm going to wrap up this live chat now. Uh, but super chats always come first. So if you have a specific question, I'm going to breeze through any other questions that I could maybe answer rapid fire in the meantime. Otherwise, just let me know if you, if you don't have any questions and we'll wrap the session up here. So we get any feedback from T on all this. T had come in saying, ouch, this resonates for me. My mom passed away when I was little. Ah, thanks for diving in. Hmm. But hang on a second, T. You're not sexually, you're not physically abusive or aggressive towards women. You're the complete opposite. You're you're the soft shell crab. You're you go down to you go to the down to the house of Chow and you get open up that menu and you see soft shell crab. You'll see a picture of you next to it. You're the least. You're the least from a Szechuan sizzling beef, aka an aggressive aggressive sexually abusive person. So don't don't make that reference too tight. Don't, don't, don't interpret that too much. Uh, ben then came in saying, I loved your last Eternal Energy podcast, Adam. Yes, thank you, Ben. You dropped a great comment on that one. That was the one on how to harness your ego for meaningful work. And he says, no, nah, just send the love, Adam. Oh, appreciate that, Ben. Thank you so much. Okay, if there are any rapid fire questions, I'll just breeze through them and then we'll kick out from here because it's been an absolutely amazing session. We'll do a summary, of course, as usual. Uh Distract on it says, since you're talking about PTSD, can I get your advice on something? Uh, it depends how in- intense it is. If it's a rapid fire question, yes. Otherwise, no, because we'll peace out. Good peace out here. Uh, Carl then come and saying, words of wisdom. Thank you. 
Ray, your sore throat. If you can get fresh papaya, load up on it, make a smoothie. Sore throat is gone in two, three hours. Magic. Uh, I appreciate that, Carl. Although this is a slightly different sore throat. This is not like a real sore throat. This is just from excessive, excessive use. But actually, it's fine now. It's good now. Thank you for the tip, though. Appreciate that. Uh, Christian Buddy Show comes in saying, how do we get involved in chanting? So if you want to get involved in chanting in South Australia, just search up on Facebook, the Breathe and Peace community. Uh, Shrey Mias uh, runs that. Uh, the Australian School for Meditation, you can hit them up. They'll, they'll, they'll fi- help you find people that do chanting. That chanting session was awesome yesterday, though. I fucking got sent to another planet. A lot of, uh, a lot of oming. Carl then comes in saying, I do attract these women. However, I do attract a submissive one. Oh, that's just going on when I said, depends on who you're being attracted to. What type of person you're attracted to. Distractors is initial takumi. Okay, guys, so I think we're going to peace out here and we're just going to do, yeah, no more rapid fire questions. Okay, Terrence Franklin, uh, T. Frank coming and saying, thank you, Adam. I appreciate this. Once I get the finances right, I want to help out a bit as well. No worries, man. Hey, man. The super chats are always most appreciated, but not necessary, not required. I would be here anyway, right? That's what I do on these Mondays. So let's wrap up the summary here and we'll finish up this session. How to love a woman who's been sexually abused. So we know we need extreme levels of empathy, patience, ability to read. We're not here to fix her. We're not here to fix her. We are here to provide the space in which that we can receive her, in which that she'll be able to fix herself. That's the key of it all. We've looked at the different polarities of how sexual abuse manifests in women psychologically between a rejection mentality, such as the ice turtle shell nature, or the complete polar opposite of overacceptance mentality, aka lusting firebird. We've gone through how to address both whether we should continue sexual intimacy and uh, how to progress through that. We've looked at how to have that direct conversation that would allow her to realize that for herself. And we've looked at a lot of deep things just in general to do with with how the masculine energy should interact with the female in relation, right? Just, just I think the analogy, the best is you either you're going to help her to realize that she can fly again or that you're going to allow her to realize that I need to fly right. Fly again or fly right. And if you're a beginner of social dynamics, it's very overwhelming. I'll give you guys a lot of my personal stories. Um, it can be very overwhelming when you met with a girl that has sexual abuse because she's not going to pop up with it like it's a green, like it's a big signal on her back. It's something that you're going to find out in a very subtle moment. Sexual abuse effects in the PTSD, in the post, they are very subtle. They come out very subtly in the form of a girl and might just say, don't hurt me, as that one girl said to me, or I'm just I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, or a girl who asks for excessive physical physical requests and now you know that she's that type of uh on that that end of the polarity and so in case if you feel like now ah, there's so much to absorb so much to deal with hey listen one step at a time you can always hit me up on instagram at tang one you can always send me an email at adam at if you go through an exam a situation like this i'm more than happy to offer you a nugget of uh, helping you to realize your own either mistake or best practice to move forward in this scenario because uh, you will deal, you you meet enough women, you go out enough, you will come across a woman that has gone through some form of sexual abuse, whether it be patterned trickle-down effect, 
low-key or high-key, short-term, acute, real brutal stuff. Either way, embrace. Embrace and learn. And I thank all of you that have embraced and that have learned throughout this chat and uh, have been really engaged in the live class queue that donated the Super Chats. And so we'll be back next week, my friends. We'll be back on a Monday, ready to chop it up on a whole new, brand new social Q&A. And uh, this, is, this is the time of my life. So thank you so much for being here, guys. And we'll wrap it up here. So wishing you the absolute best on your journeys. Much peace and much joy. Ciao. Thank you very much, my friends, for diving into this episode of Social Q&A Live. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a great time. And just before you run off, don't forget, that guided meditation, Eternal Energy, has now been released, now available at boldojo.com. Dive into who you are and evolve beyond. You can also pick up the ebook, book one-on-one Skype coaching, all at boldojo.com. Donate anything you wish through the PayPal links or the Boldojo podcast uh, donation link. All of that's tremendously appreciated. And I'd also love your feedback on this session. Whether you want to, actually, I'd most appreciate your feedback on the actual YouTube videos itself. If you go into YouTube, drop your comments there. That's probably the best way. It really just helps support the channel. And I always, uh, I actually source the next episodes of Social Q&A from the previous episodes of Q&A. I often just look at the comments and often find really good uh, ideas for topics there. So if you got a suggestion for a future Social Q&A that we can kick things off with, just head over to the YouTube channel at The Bowl and uh, drop it down there. Get engaged, subscribe to the channel, support what's going on here. And that would be uh, tremendously appreciated. With that being said, I wish you all the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy.